unlocking what was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Mike, I hear that there's an Andros Island in the in the Galapagos, which makes me think that Andros probably retired just like Thanos did at the end of uh, Infinity War, and that's where he's hanging out, waiting to be killed by uh, Star Fox at some point. He's he's ready to get beheaded by Falco for mm-hmm. sure. But uh, we're live, Neil. We're live. Oh well, Mike, thank you so so much for joining me today. That was a very dark start to uh, to Endgame for sure. Just chopping Thanos' head off. Just a gardener, just trying to you know grow his fruit, just live his life out after he uh, ba- brought balance to the galaxy. Which you know some people can see where Thanos is coming from. Some yeah. people can see where Andros is coming from, and we're going to talk a whole bunch about that today. But first, Mike, I got to talk to you about something very near and dear to my heart, which is artwork. Uh, love artwork, big fan. Um, but one thing that always weirds me out is artwork in hotels, like in the lobby, even in the room sometimes. Sometimes it's always some random painting. Sometimes it's a beach. Sometimes it's something a bit more uh, interpretive, like you're not really sure what it's supposed to be. What are your thoughts on hotel artwork? Do you ever uh, do you ever take a look at it? Uh, this is a fun topic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's always the most generic of any, like of where you are, basically. Like I feel like whenever I'm at like an Airbnb or a hotel uh, near a beach, it's always the same black and white picture of a generic beach that could be anywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I swear that they there's someone out there who's framing all these beach pictures <laughs> and are just shipping them off to every single uh, Airbnb and uh, and hotel to get them ready for their uh, uh, for their rooms. But yeah, I, I, the artwork and 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 pictures in hotels and and even in like apartment building lobbies is always mm. so strange to me. I don't. I just I want to know the process for how they decide. On what goes up there. Makes me think that AI artwork has been a thing for way longer than we think it has. Because a lot of this stuff doesn't look like it was human made. It just looks yeah. like it was put into an algorithm <laughs> and then shot out some of this yes. stuff. Which which is funny because some even some restaurants now are getting down with it. Like fast food places. Like I, I, I think there's a meme or something. It's McDonald's. It's a, not a meme. It's a real story. But these two guys literally hung like a painting in a McDonald's and no one noticed. <laughs> Like, they just, like, they went, like, a year later and it was still up. They took a picture, like, a year later of them hanging it and then a year later of them back eating in front of it and stuff. That's and so it, funny. It might have been a picture of them. I can't remember now. I'll have to go back and try and find that uh, that article. Or it might be fake. It might be just some BuzzFeed thing. But, uh, yeah, I love I love how, like, those generic art pieces show up in hotels and even, like, office buildings now even have some generic art hanging up. And oh, yeah. There's got to be a market for it. It's probably, like, they go into an Ikea or a uh, – what, what's the other – what are some of the other ones? Um one of these furniture places where it's like they see the the living room set up and they just take the artwork and then hang it up in all of their chains. But speaking of hotels, Mike, I, I had an interesting idea for a photo app. Uh, I don't come up with too many phone apps much because I'm not very tech savvy. Um, but I don't even have a name for it. So right now I'm just going to call it Creep. Okay. Uh, but basically the idea for the app is you only upload... Uh, your vacation photos to the app. And then I guess using some kind of an AI or a facial recognition thing, your account only shows you photos that you appeared in other people's vacation photos. So like, you know, like you have a picture on like a beach and there's like people in the background, like walking, throwing a football, swimming. Your, your, Your account would just be photos of you and other people's photos. I, oh my God, I love that because, so I have 
a bunch of vacation pictures in my backgrounds uh, yep. for my my desktops. Uh, and, you know, I, I like to, to see them every day and look at them. And there's always random people in them, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have very many pictures where it's just, uh, like, the New York skyline and no one is nearby. Right. Uh, I have one that has this woman. She's holding up, like, a New York uh, free or, like, bike rental sign. <laughs> and I, I, like, have her face burned into my mind because I always have, like, that picture up a lot. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, you know what? This woman has no idea that I like look at her right <laughs> every day, basically. Or this guy uh, in Austin. I have a picture of of uh, of Austin, downtown Austin in Texas, and there's a guy just like like half of his face is kind of like looking back <laughs> <laughs> like at me, and he's kind of looking at the camera. Yeah, and he has no idea that he is on my uh, on my computer every single day. This is why I want to know, like, because like, I I have the same thing. I have framed photos in my condo and in my my parents' house, and you know it's a family photo, or it's me and my wife for at Disney or Myrtle Beach or wherever it is and there's just people like hanging out and they have no idea that they're hanging up in in our living rooms in our basement in our bedrooms and I want to know whose photos am I in like like you definitely exist in someone else's photo the same yeah. way that woman in New York exists in yours like there's no chance because you travel so much I travel a fair bit we're out and about we're in other people's photos we're definitely I'm definitely photobombing people in Scotland Ireland and Buffalo <laughs> like wherever I've been you know playing switch or, or whatever it is wearing my simple plan t-shirts and uh you know eating a eating a cheeseburger or something I, w- I just want to I want to have a collection of all the photos that I've been in so if you're listening to this you can steal that app I I don't need it I ca- I can't make it so uh i would love to have it though so go go on out there it's basically like a reverse instagram app can you just call it uh creep 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 yeah creep twice like uh <laughs> you can't yeah. say creep twice without <laughs> quoting tlc neil i've never heard i don't even know what you guys are talking about <laughs> I, I don't i don't understand the reference i'm sorry but uh <laughs> uh neil it's time for one of our favorite segments it's time for the nft report no we're Ooh. not talking about those non-fungi fungi tokens fudge. Uh, <laughs> not fudge tokens, tokens. yeah <laughs> they, they are non-fudge tokens we're talking about uh nintendo uh financial times it's our mm. little report here and we'd like to talk about what's going on in the world of the big n and uh now we have had 132 million switches sold at this point three wow. million more than last time we talked a quarter ago it's creeping up there getting closer and closer to that 150 million mark for the ps2 not quite there we'll see if it does get there at some point uh the top 10 games haven't changed mm. uh tears of the kingdom still uh nice and high up there hasn't taken over scarlet and violet just yet but i'm sure it'll get there at some point uh but neil we never talk about the next 10 we always talk about the top 10 selling games for the switch mm. but i was uh i was looking and i saw the 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 next 10 uh, in the top 20 that was kind of interesting i'm gonna go through a couple of them for you here yeah. we got ring fit we got let's go uh pikachu and eevee we got the diamond and pearl series we got arceus so uh, a lot of pokemon so yes. far <laughs> we got splatoon 2 we have luigi's mansion 3 we have super mario world 3d we have super mario uh parties or mario party superstars mm-hmm. switch sports and splatoon 3 and what's most impressive i think about this list is that all 10 of those are above 10 million copies sold. Yeah, 10.6 with Splatoon 3. Splatoon 2 and 3 in the uh, bottom 10, I guess, in the between 10, 11 and 20. A uh, lot of Pokemon in there, like you said before. Uh, just a, insane. Like, if you added up all of these games in terms of, like, their sales, I think it adds up to 
200 it's between 200 and 300 million units between 20 games that's yes that's crazy <laughs> just how high first party <laughs> nintendo games sell and i forgot switch sports was even a thing to be honest with you yep. um what's this date until the sales this has to be pre september um, 30th okay so it's pre uh mario wonder yes. so you got to imagine mario wonder is probably kick splatoon 3 out of the top 20 it's probably already launched itself into super mario bros u territory at 17 million um i imagine mm-hmm. uh, mario wonder will be in the top 10 before the end of the year and i think tears of the kingdom will cross scarlet and violet it's only three million behind that by the end of christmas it's going to be a good year for or a good christmas rather for nintendo uh black friday's coming up a few weeks after this episode goes live so i think that these numbers are probably going to be shaken up a little bit uh Mm -hmm. with tears of the kingdom and mario wonder um probably knocking i guess super mario bros u will probably be out of the top 10 the next time we cover the the nintendo financial times that's fine that's fine (laughs) pikmin 4 is oddly missing though from this list mike but i'm assuming that it did not sell anywhere close to 10 million units it did not but neil pikmin 4 is officially the highest selling pikmin game of all time now coming in at 2.61 million copies i'm sure it'll keep rising to be honest but uh, that's nice to see that there's some support for pikmin mm-hmm. kind of sad that 2.6 was the the barrier to break <laughs> there 2.3 i think was the barrier uh to break that and that was pikmin 3 on the switch also that was the first time a pikmin yeah. game had sold more than a million copies so good to see pikmin 4 is doing well mario wonder has already sold 4.3 million in two weeks uh, like you said it, it will definitely hit the top 10, I think, for the next NFT uh, report that we have going on. But what's more interesting in the world of Nintendo in terms of sales is probably with the movie side of things that Mm. seems to be going pretty fast. Mario movie finishing at 1.36 billion USD on a $100 million budget. Just a a boon there, making Mm -hmm. so much money back for Nintendo and uh, uh, Illumination. I was going to say the Illuminati. Also the (laughs) Illuminati. Close enough. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and with that, uh, of course, on the heels of of that announcement, uh, Nintendo also announced that a new Zelda movie is uh, in the works, or not new Zelda movie, a Zelda movie is in uh, the works. Interestingly, Sony is actually co-financing it and distributing it. So I thought I found that kind of interesting. It's going to be a live action. So we can already start to uh, think of who is going to play who. Adrian Brody, of course, going <laughs> to cross <laughs> cross into it as Waluigi. Maybe right. as Gandorf. I could see Adrian Brody as Gan- Gandorf. Mm-hmm. There's a possibility there. There's a lot of possibility there. I'm interested to see the new Zelda movie, uh, what what it's going to look like, early screenshots. I'm, I, d- yeah. Did they have a release date of it? I'm no, assuming no. it's Yeah, I'm assuming it's still it's not going to be next year, that's for sure. Maybe 2025 we're probably looking at. But the Mario movie this year was a great success for Nintendo, uh, their first big movie in, in like, what, 30 years since the original Mario yeah. <laughs> uh, movie came out in the 80s. Um, so good to see. It's it's coming to Netflix, I think, uh, what was it, in December, I think? or some Actually, it might already be out in November. I forget. Uh, but I saw it in theaters, so I'm happy with that. They made what, like you said, 1.36 billion. I'm sure they're making probably closer to 1.5 once we take in the Netflix revenue, whatever they get from that. Um, mm-hmm. The new Zelda movie, I'm optimistic. I mean, Sony movies are very hit and miss, um, <laughs> so we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure it'll be fine. Nintendo have very high standards with their uh, their licenses these days, so. I'm hoping that we get something a little bit more on the side of a uh, Spider-Man Far From Home as opposed to uh, like the Venom movies, where, which are a bit more like a popcorn throwaway movie. I like the, the two Venom movies personally, but they're not film cinema movies that you want to show your kids and watch over and over again like yes. the Mario movie was. So it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, – what storyline are they going to cover? Is it going to be Ocarina of Time? Is it going to be A Link to the Past? Is it going to be Breath of the Wild? Is there even going to be 
is it going to be Link versus Ganondorf, or are they going to pick like a Majora's Mask or a character that they could put like not Ganondorf? Is no. Link going to talk? <laughs> that yeah, it's going to be Link versus Ganondorf for sure. Will Jack Black be in there? Will Chris Pratt be in there? Will Tom Holland be in here because he's in every single Sony movie? Um, what do you think? Do you think they're going to make Link a, a talking character? Oh, I really hope not. I swear really? to God, I'm leaving the thing. I don't want him to be talking. No, no, no. I want, I want, uh, I want everyone else to like kind of be talking around him. I want the the, the rest of the characters. To, and and the setting to be the, the the other character, you know. But I'm sure that won't happen. I'm sure they'll make Link talk because it would be such a such a feat if they can make a movie without the protagonist talking. I can't think of a movie recently where that's that's been a thing, especially not a movie based on like a popular franchise like like Zelda. Yeah, now I'm like now I'm curious movies where uh, the protagonist. I think there was like a, a recent movie that just came out. Was it a World War Two? Not a World War Two movie. There was a random movie that just came out where the character didn't talk until the very end. It was I heard it was pretty good. It's like a really bloody kind of violent movie. I forget what it's called now though. Um, oh, I think Dumb- of something. You know, Dumbo. Dumbo is a good one. Yeah, oh, Dumbo oh, doesn't Dumbo. speak. <laughs> That's a good point. Dumbo is a baby. Link is uh, an elf. <laughs> I mean, maybe they could make him talk a different language, I suppose, and just have subtitles. But Friendly I don't know. Sign. We'll we'll have to wait and see. I, I think of something more like maybe The Mandalorian, where the character doesn't talk too much, and when he does, it, it's it's meaningful. Like it, it's only a few lines. Like maybe he only has like a minute of dialogue in the entire movie. I think that could be cool. Um, yes. But I don't need it to be like a fast-talking, Chris Pine kind of movie. It doesn't need to be funny. I'd rather it's not like super Please, like no. tongue-in-cheek yeah. and and sarcastic, like Marvel is, like the Mario movie was. No, I don't need. Um, like, uh, what, what song was in like, what random, like soundtrack song. I do not want real world music in this movie. I need to say that right now. Yes. Um, I don't want to hear black eyed peas in the link in the uh, Zelda movie. That's for damn sure. I'm okay. If he talks fine. I don't want to hear the black eyed peas in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Th- it needs to be orchestral. Oh, it God, needs to yeah. be a cinematic score. Koji like, Kondo, it, it, get in there. Yeah. yeah it, I think that's, it's bit, it would be nice to have it be like a realistic kind of treatment to it and, and dramatic. Like I don't need too much comedy in it. I'd like no. to. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a franchise. They're going to try and milk as many things as they can from this. So it, it's, yeah, I'm very curious how it's going to go. I feel like it could go really well, but my gut tells me it's probably going to be a very safe movie with a lot of safe casting. So we'll, probably. we'll see. We'll see. It does kind of snuff out, though, that concept of a potential Smash Bros. movie now. Because, like, we, mm-hmm. we had Detective Pikachu, we had Sonic, we have Mario, and now we have Zelda. But, but Zelda is going to be a live-action movie, so I really hope they don't make it... Like, can you imagine it's, like, uh, the um, Ryan Reynolds Pikachu, um, Sonic from the Sonic movie, and then uh, Chris Pratt Mario, and a live-action Link fighting? Like, I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> but the fact that it's not animated makes me think that we're not actually leading up to a, uh, a Smash Bros. movie, but... We'll have to wait and see. There's lots of uh, lots of good things coming in the next few years with films and TV shows and video games. But, Mike, we're here today to talk about a game from the 90s. So I think it's about time that we jumped into today's episode. What do you think? Let's do a barrel roll, Neil. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 38 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, the show about all things retro that we love from our childhood. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one podcast on the internet, hosted by people who are anxiously awaiting the Legend of Zelda movie. In 2028, probably. You can support the show on patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Supporters at the $5 level get to submit and vote on our monthly Patreon elected episode. Last week, we talked about Spider-Man Web of Shadows on PS2. 
PS3 and Xbox 360. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are talking about the one of the most commercially and critically successful N64 games of all time, a franchise that began on the SNES and improved every aspect of the story, graphics, gameplay, and on-rails action. We are, of course, here today to talk about Star Fox 64, which was released on April 27, 1997. It's weird to say 1990 sometimes. In Japan, developed by Nintendo EAD, published by Nintendo. It's on the N64, later ported to the 3DS, and is now on the Switch online service. Thank you for that. Rates a 9 out of 10. Priced today at only around 30 bucks on the N64 and $35 on 3DS, which is interesting. It's an on-rails space shooter, and it sold 4 million copies on the N64, making it the ninth best-selling N64 game. Uh, that list was Super Mario 64, Mario Kart 64, GoldenEye 007, Ocarina of Time, Super Smash Bros., Pokemon Stadium, Donkey Kong 64, Diddy Kong Racing, Star Fox, and Banjo-Kazooie. Mike, what were your memories of Star Fox 64 back in the day? Because as we know, you hate the N64. So did you play this game back in the 90s or 2000s? Of course, uh, you know, I hate the N64, couldn't play it. No, I, so <laughs> I'll actually start with my my memories of Star Fox in general. Uh, for me, Star Fox uh, really was more of a SNES game. That's kind of what I thought hmm. of it as. I had a friend who had the SNES and, and we played it a lot. Uh, when I was a kid, and I I loved it. I thought it was really really cool. Just like hadn't really seen something like that before, and uh, in especially like a flight sim almost in that sense, and like the on rail shooters. I didn't. I don't think I had ever played one or seen one before being a kid, right? So that was very very cool. And then the other memory that I guess I would have had of Star Fox was just Smash Bros. Like Smash Bros. was such a touchstone to. So many Nintendo franchises that I didn't know about or I, I I hadn't really experienced because I was too young to play some of these games. So playing these on Smash Bros. on N64, of course, was a big one. And then for Melee, even more so because of, of how good Fox and Falco always were, right? So it, those were two characters that always got chosen by either you or friends. Um, and... You knew, you always knew and associated with like Fox and Falco with like good, basically. It's yeah. like, yeah, these guys are good. Everyone plays them. Um, and, uh, and, you know, they were even good in, in Smash Bros. 64 too. So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of my memories of Star Fox were playing these characters, but also playing their stages too. You know, you, you have the, uh, the Lilac Cruise stage. You have, uh, obviously, Corneria, which is my all time favorite Smash Bros. stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Venom. Two, which is a great stage. Uh, so there's a lot of Star Fox stages that were in Smash Bros. Again, that was kind of my touchstone to Star Fox uh, in general because I didn't have an N64 growing up. And I didn't really play Star Fox 64 uh, until the 3DS. And I I want to say maybe you lent me the copy of Star Fox 3DS because you own it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. What must have been me? I don't know who else. It been. <laughs> Surely it was you. And uh, and when I had a 3DS, got the 3DS in 2013, uh, and I'm sure it was you who lent me the copy of it. And mm-hmm. uh, I loved, I loved playing it on 3DS. I thought that was great, mm-hmm. and I thought that version of it was really well done, especially having that second screen to see. Uh, yeah. your um, uh, your teammates on and everything else that was going on to the map but uh, uh, for me it's it's hard to it's all it's hard to have so much nostalgia about this game that you and our guests who are gonna be coming on have because I didn't play it as a kid really my nostalgia is for Star Fox and the, the idea 
of Star Fox more than anything, which I think is true for a lot of people. Yeah, you're right. It's He's definitely a, a Smash Bros. character for a lot of people, for one. You're right. He's very popular, especially Fox, uh, starting with Melee. Um, I knew him around the same... I probably played Star Fox 64 around the same time as the original Smash Bros. on N64 because that's when we were getting into games. That's when our our, uh, our our brains were turning on with video games. All the, the late 90s, we were getting all these games at once. We played them after school. So it's tough for me to remember what game... What came first, Star Fox 64 or Smash Bros. But I definitely remember playing Star Fox 64 for the first time at my house. Uh, my brother, my older brother, he uh, five years older than me. Uh, it was March break. We we went to Blockbuster, as you do, and mm-hmm. uh, we were able to rent two games for the week. And if I remember correctly, the other game was one of the WWF games and Star Fox 64. So we had, needless to say, we had a great March break that year. Um, but we played Star Fox 64 <laughs> to death. Um, I loved yeah. Loved it from the start, right from the get-go. Uh, already a pretty big Star Wars fan, and this game was very reminiscent of Star Wars. I could tell that even as a kid. Um, you had the uh, the characters talking in the cockpit, just like you saw in A New Hope. Uh, the ships looked like X-Wings. You had uh, the, the, the main character's father had been killed by this uh, this over overarching antagonist, Andros in this case, uh, even to the point where we figured Andros was Fox's dad. Um, the, <laughs> the similarities are uncanny between the games, but... Um, yeah, from the startup music, the game is beautiful. The graphics have aged incredibly well. I was mm-hmm. always in awe of the space battles, the look of how different all the planets looked, all the various characters. The voice acting was great. The boss designs are terrific. The level design is simple um, and it's it's quick. You can get through the game in just a couple of couple of hours, really. Not even if you want to just play through really quick after school with a friend, which makes it perfect for people like me who always liked shorter games. I was never a huge fan of these 100-hour RPGs. Star Fox is basically the uh, the epitome of like a short game that you feel like you you played a complete story from start to finish in basically an hour and a half if you want. <laughs> or like two to three hours if you want to go through the hard path. The branching paths were another huge thing as a kid, discovering all of the uh, the ways that you can get to the other planets, which I was so dumb as a kid. Like the first time I played it, I just thought there was one path and I just figured like the other planets were just set dressing and like, oh, this must be the sequel. Sure, um, yeah. Because yeah. it's like, I don't know. Like we didn't have, I, I couldn't read like when I played this game for the first time in 1998. <laughs> I wasn't reading magazines. There was no YouTube. So the first time I remember uh, when we actually finally owned the game, uh, having one of our friends, uh, the the neighborhood friends that you and I both referenced before, Spencer and Alex, they had all the games. They knew all the cheats. They knew all of the secrets in games. They started to show me all of these branching paths in this game. And that just made me love the game a hundred times more. Like once I found out that there were things that you could do in the levels to earn medals and get characters to say specific things and go to different planets that you've never been to before, it just made the the concept of exploration in this game such a thrill to play. And you can you can do so many different branching paths. And then we eventually got Game Shark as well, which opened up a whole other can of worms for this game where you could have infinite lives, infinite ammo, you could have everything unlocked. Um, there were so many different ways to play the game with um with with the game shark on your own and then there was also the multiplayer mode which i played at friends houses too as a kid on new year's we used to bring the n64 and games to uh, family friends houses and we would play mario party and mario kart and goldeneye and Star Fox. Uh, the multiplayer wasn't quite as much fun for me as the, the main story the main story of this game is definitely where it shines and i played it to death between grade one and like grade three probably uh we played it the most mm-hmm. um at home on the n64 and then that was basically it for the longest time i know that there were a few games 
here and there on GameCube, of course, with Star Fox Assault and Star Fox Adventures, which you and I are both really big fans of, but I don't have as much nostalgia for for this for this uh for those games as i do star fox 64 yeah um it really wasn't until uh, like you said before in 2011 i think it was when nintendo announced the remake on mm-hmm. 3ds and i was just so pumped for that day one as soon as i had a 3ds i got i think i got pokemon x and then i got star fox pretty much right <laughs> after that uh had to play it had to have it on the go just the ability the ability to play it on the bus and on the train on my way to school in college was such a cool experience yeah it's a really good port the uh the 3ds port of star fox 64 and like i said in the intro there it's more expensive than the n64 game which is crazy to me um well it's technically not a port as well it's no, like it's it, a it's, it's a, a remade remake. game uh, yeah. but with you know on the 3ds so it's a port in the sense that like the graphics look you know not that much better right. than the uh n64 because it is a 3ds it's not extra- mm-hmm. that powerful to be able to to have some crazy graphics on there but obviously the graphics do look better there is the 3d aspect if you really want that that no one ever used no. <laughs> um but i i think the big one was having those two screens yeah yeah I, dude two screens it's so hard to go back <laughs> to one honestly we've talked about that so many times especially with games like uh, pikmin and metroid but uh, I'm, I'm readjusting to having one screen again but yeah the two <laughs> screens on the 3ds was great there's even different uh secrets in the 3ds game like i think there's a way to play with uh giving fox uh, sunglasses or something um oh. <laughs> there's a lot of different versions like that or different ways to play so really cool really neat little uh homage to the old game and then it's really been just downhill from there, Mike. It's it's uh, It's been a tough couple of years for sure. I did buy Star Fox Zero the day it came out on Wii U. I was so, so optimistic for that game. I was so hoping it would be good, and it just isn't. I bought it with the Star Fox Guard. Still never played Star yeah. Fox Guard. It's still in its packaging. <laughs> Maybe worth something. Maybe. I think I checked on eBay actually for this episode. And I think it's like 10 bucks. So <laughs> Damn it. Not. <laughs> I know, right? I had, a, I had a thought. Maybe this will be worth something. <laughs> Maybe in 50 years it will be. But uh, that's kind of all we've had. We had Star Fox Zero. And then we did have Starlink Battle for Atlas. You might remember that game that came out a couple of years ago from Insomniac on uh, Switch. And I bought that game and again had the same... I felt like a Sonic fan, actually. Had the same <laughs> level of, of optimism where I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. It's an open world Star Fox game. It's going to be great. And I played it for like maybe an hour or two and it just wasn't what I wanted it to be. Star Fox needs to be what Star Fox 64 is. It needs to be a quick game, on-rail shooter, really, really cool levels that take 10 to 15 minutes to beat with a big, cool tech robot mech boss at the end of it or a bioweapon uh, like we're going to talk about soon. Some of the organic bosses are really neat mm-hmm. needs to have banter back and forth between the characters you got to have slippy who everybody hates you got to have falco who's got a bit of an ego to him like a han solo character just the dynamic between the characters all needs to be there and it just hasn't been yeah. in the last several years so the franchise has been on ice and officially for the last gosh seven years now so uh, luckily we do have star fox 64 to play on our 3ds or on the switch which has been great this week and i do have to give a really big shout out to you mike because for my 30th birthday you got me the n64 controller for the switch so mm-hmm. this week i've been playing star fox 64 as i was as a kid on my couch with the proper n64 three-prong controller which has just been a complete joy because i i haven't <laughs> played it with my uh, switch pro controller yet because the n64 controller just feels so right with this game it does. I actually don't love playing it with the Switch controller, uh, especially because the prompts also haven't changed in terms of like oh, when yeah, it tells true. you what uh, controls to use. And 
I, I do know what controls to use uh, for the most part, but like when I see it on there and I think of it in the pro controller setting, I'm like, wait, what? Like this isn't right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I kind of get messed up sometimes when I'm reading the controls. I'm like, I, I need the, I actually do need the N64 yeah. controller for this. And it must be nice to be able to just lean back and not have to worry about a cord and play it. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. Dude, the wireless N64 controller is so cool. It's awesome. I can't wait to play other N64 games with it and even maybe try a couple of Switch games with it. Um, it's, it's been a joy just to have that joystick, that that center joy, and it's tight. Like, it doesn't... It's not going to break immediately. <laughs> not yet. No, I haven't played Mario Party yet, so we'll have to wait and yeah. see how long it lasts with that. But it, it did definitely help with the experience. The controller does have rumble, um, which you were wondering when you gave it to me. You weren't sure, because yeah. on the box, it doesn't say, does it have rumble? And to play Star Fox without rumble feels wrong, because uh, a lot of people might not know that Star Fox 64 came with the Rumble Pack included. Uh, Rumble was the the hot new thing in 1997. One of the only ways to get the Rumble Pack was to buy a copy of Star Fox 64. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that Rumble Pack would would basically explode uh, just with so much. (laughs) Now we've got Rumble technology has come so far in that like it can can just vibrate a little bit like with a, um, a trigger pull or it can vibrate a lot. It can vibrate on the left and right. The original Rumble Pack was basically all or nothing. <laughs> yeah. For the yeah. slightest thing, it was just a big Rumble, and it took like three AA batteries. It was this big, That's bulbous right. thing hanging off of the front of your controller. Um, and now it's it's all sleek, and it's all in the little Joy-Cons, or it's in your PS5 controller, and it's what's making controllers so expensive these days, honestly, probably, yeah. um, is the Rumble technology. So it's it's really fun to, uh, to play it, though, with Rumble on on my N64 controller. Um, but the franchise itself has about eight games in it in the last 30 years since 1993 we had star fox on snes that you mentioned before we had star fox 64 in 1997 which is the highest selling star fox game to date if we have a switch copy i'm sure it'll outsell it star fox adventures in 2002 and star fox assault in 2005 both on gamecube star fox command on 2006 on ds that's the only game in the franchise i have not played star fox 64 on 3ds in 2011 guard and zero in 2016 that is the lowest selling game in the franchise at about 400,000 units. And then Star Fox 2, which was technically supposed to be released in 1995, but it ended up coming out in 2017 on the SNES Classic. Um, I just want to talk really quick about Star Fox Zero again. 400,000 units, Mike, for a first-party Nintendo franchise. Can you imagine that? Yeah, I mean, it came out basically the absolute worst time on the worst console uh, for it to come out on. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was it was a bad timing, and also the game wasn't great either. So it's just like th- the three-headed dragon of yeah. bad things yeah. to happen <laughs> yeah. to Star Fox, the franchise. Because, yeah, 2016 Wii U, no one is buying that console. Like, literally no one. Coming out really late in that life cycle, and then not coming out to great fanfare. Like, it didn't do well critically, and then, no. of course people weren't buying it and then almost immediately the switch gets announced mm-hmm. uh and so th- then it's just dead in the water so those four hundred thousand copies were probably all purchased within the first two months yeah and they were the uh the real diehard star fox fans like me I- i'm sure you're right because the any we were calling it the nx um yeah. that was the big thing that summer basically because star fox zero came out in may and the nx rumors were really hot basically in june so yeah it did kill a lot of any Wii U games that that summer and fall, like the Paper Mario Color Splash era and all those other games. Unfortunately, just died on the vine um, for the most part. Uh, it was it was a sad time for sure. Uh, unfortunately, it's just too bad we didn't get a Star Fox like we didn't get Star Fox Deluxe or something on the Switch. Like almost every single game 
that was put out, especially the late games that were put out on the Wii U that didn't have great, um, uh, great sales like Pikmin 3, for example, got moved over to the Switch and did great. Uh, on the switch so like it's too bad that star fox didn't get that treatment i mean i i guess the sales numbers but the sales numbers for pikmin 3 were also awful so i don't know yeah that's true i don't know yeah you gotta remember too star fox zero was made by platinum games it wasn't made by nintendo in-house it was published by nintendo and i think miyamoto was a producer or an artistic director or something like that in the game so he did work on it um it was very much like a 60 40 i think nintendo platinum kind of relationship nintendo became very hands-off with it it was teased at e3 i think two years or so before it came out and it looked rough it looked like a really good gamecube game basically but for a wii u game it looked a little bit rough um and there was hype for the game for for years leading up to it and it just as we as players started to see gameplay of it you started to see this random uh kind of drone levels were weird um it is basically a reboot of the franchise which is a weird thing with star fox is that they've always kind of just retold the same story again and again uh like the n64 game is basically a retelling of the snes game and then star fox uh Star Fox Assault and Star Fox Adventures are different. They are original stories. I'm not sure what the stories in Star Fox Command. But they're not sequels, though. No. In, in any way, that's that's the weird part, right? They just like kind of started over mm-hmm. again, but like it's different stories. Yeah, it's weird. It, it it's kind of like that's all Nintendo know how to do for the most part. Yeah. Like, for the most part, Zelda games are always kind of rebooting the franchise. For the most part, Pokemon games they're they're all in the same world, but they they all kind of start new. Mario all for the most part start fairly new. Um, but Star Fox, it's, it seems like that they either always tell that same story from 1993 or they have maybe two or three quote-unquote sequels or, or whatever um, that come out that take place after the original game and then they just do a remake of 64 and then they go right back again to remaking the original story again and the story in Star Fox really doesn't matter all that much the stories are never super great except for maybe in adventures for the most part the game is just uh, Corneria or the Lilat system is under attack by Andros. It's always just a good versus evil, save the galaxy kind of story. So they don't have to be remakes of the original game every single time. Most people probably don't even notice or don't care uh, for the most part, but that's kind of where we're left now with Star Fox in 2023. The series never sold particularly well in Japan. It is very much a uh, European and North American series um, for the most part, but uh, Nintendo losing money on a franchise is never a good thing. The series, as of the end of 2022, has only sold 11.6 million units, and if you were listening to our intro topic where we were talking about best-selling Switch games, most of the top 20 best-selling games on Switch have outsold all of the Star Fox games in the last 30 years. So that goes to show you just how rough the sales for for Star Fox is. But that doesn't stop many people like me from being a huge fan of the Star Fox franchise, which is why we have a few friends joining the show today to talk about Star Fox and their memories of Star Fox 64. So with that, Mike, why don't you let us know who the first caller is of the day? All right, Neil, joining us. Our first guest today of the show is friend of the show, Dave, from the Remember uh, 64 podcast. And of course, that's why we have him on today to talk about some N64 games. He also has an amazing podcast back in my day. Please go check it out if you can. They are great podcasts. We've been on them. Neil's been on the N64 one to talk about some... uh, what, What did you talk about, Neil? Uh, what was it? Diddy Kong Racing and and Mario Kart. You're you're like the you're the kart racer guy. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but Mike 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 was came to the realization this year. We we're at the cottage playing Hot Wheels, and Mike's like, Neil's actually really good at racing games. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that's kind of my like my genre of games. If I had to pick like a French like not like the real ones, like not the um the Forza and whatever else, but like Gran Turismo. But like, stuff, yeah. you put me you put a kart racer in front of me, or like like something goofy like an F Zero or like a Hot Wheels game, or 
I'll 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 beat your ass at those games. <laughs> Neil is the resident uh, kart racer expert over here, but uh, today we needed to bring on the resident uh, on rail shooter expert, maybe uh, with Dave to talk about some Star Fox sixty four. <laughs> and uh, my first question to you, Dave, would be: When you do a barrel roll, what button do you press? Do you press Z once or do you press R twice? You know what? It is uh, it's R okay. because I I don't know what it is. I think um um. It's strange. I think that's just the habit I got into then, yeah. and it's a habit I stuck to now. Although when I, you know, when you think of something shooting now, you know, any kind of shooter game, whether it's a ship or whether it's uh, FPS or something like that, um, you think about pulling the right trigger, which yeah. would be the right bumper on the 64 controller. Um, somehow the right hand feels more natural to me. I don't know why. 100% agree. I'm, I'm a double R uh, as well. Neil, are you too? No, I was Z. I, I, oh, I had Z nonstop. Z. For, I don't know why. I think it was probably because I started off like the first N64 game I played as a kid was Goldeneye. And I just think the Z button is the coolest button on the N64. Uh, Neil, we're a Canadian podcast. Please call it the Z button. This, sorry. <laughs> How dare you? What's the British way, though? Do I have any defense? It's in this? Z. Is it Z? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> F me, I guess. Um, yeah, the Z button, sorry, was what I pushed uh, a lot on GoldenEye. So that was just what I was conditioned to use. It was mostly the Z button and the A button. So, yeah, that's all I pressed. Uh, save time. I only had to push it once to do a barrel roll. And you <laughs> that's have to do a, true. Yeah. I was more efficient. I was more efficient when I was a kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, maybe that's why you're so damn good at the kart racers. You're just so efficient with all your moves. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm pushing. I'm pushing 50% less buttons than everyone else is. That's how I'm. That's how I'm beating everybody at, uh, at Mario Kart. But yeah, no, that, that's cool. I, I think we might put that up on Instagram as a poll to see what the popular choice was. I I, I think it's going to be close to a 50-50 split, but uh, yeah. we'll have to wait and see. But what are your memories of playing or discovering Star Fox back in the day? Was it Star Fox 64 or are you a Star Fox on SNES kid? It is mostly a 64. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's other Star Fox games on GameCube and stuff, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it was 64. And then I think I was maybe too young or didn't really know it existed that there was an original one on, on Super Nintendo. So it was 64. First time I remember playing it um, was my cousin who had one. Um and we yeah we would we would swap controls every every stage basically mm-hmm. i think I, oh, nice. I, I don't know if it's just with my cousin or if this was something that i made up in my head or something i came up with later when i owned the game but if you got the accomplished version of your mission you would keep going but if you got the complete then you'd hand the controller over and we would go through the story that way mm-hmm. um, which is sort of like a mini competition mini shared experience yeah. um, so I remember doing that a lot with my cousin who's only a year older same age we played lots of games together and we're growing up and stuff um, and uh, yeah 64 was the go-to always pretty much has been um, I, I've gone back a couple times and played the the SNES version Um just doesn't doesn't quite work for me for whatever reason, but uh, yeah. When when you guys said you were you were playing this game, want to talk about it? It's like any excuse to talk to about this game again. I am all for it. It is it's incredible. So yeah, that that would be my earliest memories of it. Would be I couldn't tell you what year it was. I'm sure it was 97, 98, um, but it was uh, definitely in the early years of the 64. The first couple of years. Yeah, I, th- I think mine was around 1999. We got a Christmas 99, so it might have been around March break 2000. We uh, rented, I was telling Mike earlier, we rented Star Fox and one of the WWF games at March break. So needless to yeah. say, that was what a a, March break. One, of the greatest, one of the greatest March breaks of all time, obviously. Honestly. But 
It is interesting to say though, because like if your first experience with Star Fox is N sixty four's the N sixty four version, going back to the SNES version feels like a tech demo, which is basically what the game was. It was a tech demo for the FX chip on the Super Nintendo to show what three D graphics could look like on the console. It was kind of a proof of concept uh, for what they could do. There is like a little bit of a story in there, and there are levels and bosses, but for the most part, that game is basically flying through rings. It's like Superman sixty four. It's flying through rings and 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 shooting at triangles for the most part. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Star Fox 64 just, I feel like, improves everything that the SNES game started. Obviously, the controls are a bit better because you have the joystick. The graphics are obviously more improved. You've got more realized environments. You've got actual textures on things. And you've got the voice actors. Instead of the ribbity-ribbity from the SNES game, you've got actual <laughs> dialogue back and forth, which is the most memorable thing probably about this game and why it stood the test of time of almost 30 years at this point. Yeah, it's, it's funny actually that you mentioned the the sort of proof of concept tech demo type thing with with the original Star Fox. I kind of ran into that um, either either it's just about to come out when when this episode comes out or or it's it's already out on our feed for Remember sixty four. But we played Pilot Wings and mm. Pilot Wings is very much that, but for the sixty four. It like you're and you're literally flying yeah. through rings as well. So it's mm-hmm. a very very similar experience. Um, thankfully that that advanced further with Star Fox sixty four. So Star Fox sixty four just feels like really the evolution of what Star Fox could have been. Even with the SNES, like there's kind of hints that there's a bigger world out there almost, like that there's more to yeah. experience. And you do get that with 64. Like there's this game is although it's so short, really, like Nils was saying you can beat this in like two hours basically, there is so much replayability for this. And I think that is a big reason why I also enjoy this game like what what was your experience i guess because you did play it with your cousin back and forth but did you eventually get to just play it on your own and try and get to the hard path oh yeah actually it's funny back then it was definitely something i just continued to play uh over and over because yeah there are a couple of branching paths but it's not like there's seven choices you're going left right sometimes you can go in in that middle row of of stages Mm -hmm. um what is it maybe a total of of a dozen stages in in the whole game Mm -hmm. somewhere around there which is a decent amount for the time it was 97 i believe the game so it's still fairly early on in the console so i think they did a pretty good job with all that um, but yeah, I, I definitely would um, try to always go accomplished, which was the stage that would take you to the far left and go all the way to the end of the of the level and the end of the the game that way. Um, but every once in a while, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna have fun with it and not try to get the high score or not try to you know advance to the left side of the screen. I'm just gonna go on the right and do these stages that I haven't done in the last couple of weeks and. It's exactly what I did this time too, actually, like replaying mm. it. The first time I, I replayed it, this was just last week. I, I went through the whole game twice over the course of Ooh. a couple of days and yes. I, I couldn't put it down. I mean, like, come on, yeah. I, I couldn't stop. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. I, I had to keep going. I, I, yeah. I went and uh, I did the accomplished route. Somehow this game on my first go through, I went accomplished all the way to that far left route the entire way through. Dude, and... Wow. I surprised myself that I could remember the things I needed to do and I wasn't even conscious. Some of the stages I couldn't really remember. The first one I remember, I think maybe like the second or third I kind of did, but all of a sudden I'm at the at the last, you know, sort of couple of boss fight type things and I go, "Oh. Oh, oh, crap, I'm here. Oh, that's awesome. This is great." Yeah, that's sick. <laughs> um so I kind of surprised myself that way, but you know, I think uh, when I was younger it was uh it was a bit of a goal to try and do that, but every once in a while you switch it up a bit just so you could play different levels. Cause the game just plays well, in my opinion. I think it I think it really feels good. 
And I didn't mind if I wasn't, you know, beating my previous score or my cousin's score that was also on the same cart or anything like that. It's a smooth game, yeah. I'd say. Like, it plays smoothly. Like, it flows smoothly. Like, nothing feels wrong. Like, nothing feels janky in that sense, too. Everything feels like it's there for a reason. And and I do like that you can kind of kind of choose your own way in a lot of lot of senses as well. I, I, I had never played Star Fox uh, 64 too much other than on the 3DS. That's kind of where I uh, played it a lot. Ah, and okay. I do like the 3DS version a lot. Hadn't really played Star Fox since then. And uh, I played it this week and last week, obviously, to to get ready for the, the episode. And I personally found in playing it in present day, surprisingly, just really easy to pick up and just play right away. I thought the tutorial level on Corneria was fantastic. I thought that was it was really well done to kind of throw you into the game, but also have you kind of introduced to the characters and everything and what their characteristics and attitudes were and just how quickly I was able to really figure out what the controls were and pick up flying and how to fly again. Uh, so smooth in that sense, like I said, and has that high ceiling for someone who is really good at the game and does have the muscle memory like you do mm-hmm. to just kind of go in and 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 figure out exactly what you're doing. So you you also felt that same way then I guess, right? Like playing this in 2023 doesn't feel like it's really aged necessarily. No, like it still feels like a game that was made recently. Like Nintendo, they definitely future-proof themselves with this game and I can't explain it, but it just it feels like the type of game which is pretty rare where the game is as easy or as hard as you want it to be. Like if you're a relatively good player of video games, you're going to get through that easy path like Dave said, which I think only takes maybe 30 to 45 minutes to go from Corneria to Venom 1. Yeah, it's it's a shorter path, I think, if you go on that right side a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so proficient at Corneria now. I've played that level probably close to 100 yeah. times in my life. Like I can <laughs> I beat the first boss before his health bar even shows up. Yes, I think I did the same thing. Yeah. I just toss bombs at him. Yeah, he's done. <laughs> you, you just you just shoot you shoot his one leg off, he can't move, and then you shoot his back until he dies. Like it's it's so yeah. fast before before Slippy can do her uh, or hit I always thought Slippy was a girl. Before Slippy can do his uh, enemy shield analyze thing, he's dead. Yep. So so that level usually takes less than three minutes to get through. Uh and, and like I'm like mouthing all the words to like all the things the characters are gonna say because I've heard this dialogue so many times. My wife is like, You having fun? And I'm like, Yeah, heck yeah, I am. It's such a great game. Uh, but I was telling Mike that when I was a kid playing this game, I almost always Always did the easiest path with maybe one divergent where I'd go between I think it's sector X which is the level where uh, all the it's like the everything's been destroyed and you're fighting one of the like the thing with arms in space and then you can go through between mm-hmm. that and um, solar which is the uh, the sun level basically um, other than that I played basically every single level the exact same I'd go from Corneria to the asteroid belt to one of those two levels to the level where you're fighting against Star Wolf and then the one where you got to destroy the um, the, sh- the shield generator uh, protecting Venom, went to Venom 1, game over. And then the train level in there too. It wasn't until a couple years, maybe a year or so after, where a friend of uh, a mutual friend of Mike and I, he came over and he just said to me, like, fly through the fly through the arches, like on Corneria. And I was like, okay, like never done this before. Never thought to try because the game doesn't necessarily, the game doesn't tell you to. He just kind of, the no. game just kind of like, it just offers you this thing. It kind of, it entices you to, and it makes a slight audio cue to do it. Um, it makes like a sound when you go through it, which is different. Uh, and then it takes you to that separate path. And he's like, yeah, you can play these other 10 levels, you idiot. <laughs> they're, not just, they're not just there for show. I thought they were. What? I was like, I thought, that, like, oh, cool. They're going to make a sequel one day. These Maybe these levels will be here eventually. And DLC. You thought you, you predicted DLC before DLC existed. Yeah, the expansion pack was on the way, right? Right, yeah. exactly. And then we learned, like, okay, now you need to get a high score in the next level. Now you need to make sure Slippy doesn't die in this level. Now you need to make sure mm-hmm. that you shoot out all of the searchlights in this level and so on and so on. And, and like, 
through reading eventually Nintendo Power and, of course, Schoolyard Rumors, which were a thing in the late 90s, early 2000s, I learned how to play all the levels in this game, and now it's obviously one of my favorite games of all time. I know all the levels inside and out. I'm impressed that you got through the hard the hard uh, path without a single restart or anything, because the, the boss in, I think it's called, that's the area, or Sector Z, which is the... Um, the circular thing, it's got like three tentacles coming out of it, and you have to shoot the moving, three moving orbs inside of it. One of the hardest bosses, and all, like even harder than uh, Andros to me. Yeah, that, that that level, I was just breaking my controller over just before coming on. That, that <laughs> boss is so hard compared to some of the other ones in this game. I'll go back to uh, one of my, uh, another question here though, is do you have a favorite level in Star Fox 64? Yeah, I was, so I was thinking about this as I was playing, um, because I didn't remember what everything was called. I didn't remember, you know, but when I sure. went and you know, started the stage, like, oh yeah, this one. Oh yeah, this one. A- aside from that first stage, like you, that, that was mm-hmm. uh, a no brainer. I remember that one off by heart. I could so cool. do it with my eyes closed probably. Oh yeah. There's a lot of stages that just feel dark and moody. Mm-hmm. And I really like the ones I'm trying to remember now. I'm pulling up the map. I'm trying to remember which one it is. Uh, it's one of the early ones. It might be Sector X, or it could even just be the asteroid field, oh, where one. one of the, I think it might be Slippy might have said like, oh, it's it's too quiet. And all mm. of a sudden, a, a bunch of enemies come at you. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of ships that are ex- you know, exploding into different pieces that were like the attack already happened. Mm-hmm. So what you thought you were going into actually already happened. And now you're sort of dealing with the aftermath of it. Yeah. Um, it might be the second or third stage on the left side. I honestly I can't remember exactly which one it was. I, I think that Sector X is when the training base has already been destroyed. You show up thinking yeah. you're going. Yeah, you think you're showing up to the training base, but it's all been destroyed. And everyone's like, what the heck happened here? And yeah, it's- like, like that's why I like it. It's not necessarily that it's the best laid out stage or it's the most fun necessarily. But I don't know if, if it's just been so long and I never really picked up the cues. And I was trying to like maybe pay more attention to the, you know, quote unquote story that's happening here. But like... I love the surprise of the fact that everyone was really shocked about it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now you're on your heels and you're trying to survive. And I love that. I thought it was great. And um, it's an unpredictable layout because there's pieces of these ships and and, and stations that are just flying at you. And you're mm-hmm. you're dipping around and, and moving around a lot more than you would in some of the other stages. So I, I love that one. I thought that was my... At least at this current you know, couple of playthroughs, that was the one that stood out to me. And the boss is assembling itself too while you're flying through yes. and you see its arm come through and it's like, oh God, I'm going to fight that later. Okay, cool. Uh, you're right though. The game, the, every level has such cool detail and like Mike mentioned before, like there's almost like lore to this game where you can tell that there's a history to this this uh, solar system. You can tell these characters have all known each other for a long time. Like you go to this one level, Zonus, which is the level where you're flying above the ocean and everyone's commenting on how polluted the ocean is and how crappy it looks now because I'm guessing that's like this beautiful ocean planet that people visit people go on vacation there in this game um and now it's like because andros is using it for like manufacturing weapons now all the ocean is like green and it's bleak and it's it's cloudy like you said the sky is gray and they're all like oh it's disgusting what a dump what have they done here and it it, they they never do that in video like i feel like no nintendo game does that like like when you're playing a mario game and bowser's taking over the mushroom kingdom mario's never like oh look what bowser's done to this place like they just kind of go (laughs) through it like very passe and and it's all it's all fine but in this game they're always commenting on what the heck is going on here something's not right um how about you mike are there any levels in uh 64 that stand out to you as uh, iconic or ones that you like to go back to well, Dave stole mine because that was the <laughs> one that I wrote Because <laughs> I think that is one of the coolest uh, ones. <laughs> I think for me, the most iconic 
uh, that comes to my mind is uh, Ficina. It's the, 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 the Hoth-looking planet. Yeah. Because, um, mm-hmm. for one, I love Hoth. That's my favorite planet in the Star Wars universe. I, I love Empire Strikes Back. And uh, that's our first appearance of Star Wolf. And, of course, that's when you're like, oh, okay, it's going to be this kind of game. Like, I- mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so it is cool to have that, um, that rivalry there. And it was funny playing it again this time, and I realized... I don't know why I didn't realize this before, but I realized that like everyone has their own rival on that team. You know, it's like mm. Fox yep. and Wolf, Peppy and Pigma. They're the <laughs> veterans. Uh, uh, damn Pigma portraying Peppy. Never, never let that down. <laughs> uh, Falco and Leon. They're kind of like the hot shot second in commands. Um, the Han Solos, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Slippy and Andrew, uh, the incompetent ones, I guess you could call them. <laughs> I like how Andrew just has a real name. <laughs> I know. I was just going to say that. I was like, hey, what's up, uh, Andrew? What's happening, buddy? Oh, hey. Oh, oh, we're flying? Okay, let's go. Come on, buddy. Let's go. Let's go. Like, it's just, who, who is this guy? Like, what? <laughs> you got Wolf and Leon and Pigma and Andrew. It feels like it's like the, the Pac-Man ghosts. Yes. Inky, Blinky, Pinky, and Clyde. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's what they were going for, and we just didn't know it. Yeah, yeah maybe. Andrew's the Clyde of the uh, of the Star Wolf team. <laughs> this is my cousin. He's coming over for Easter. He has to hang out with us today. And like they just, all right, let's go fight Star Fox, I guess. <laughs> and, he, but he's, he, but, and the best part is, it, it is very much like, because he's he's Andros's nephew. Like, in the in the real story, that's like the story, is, I think. Because he right. says Uncle Andros when he dies. So it's right. like, oh, he's, he's the boss's nephew. We have to bring him. Like, it's very much like... Like that. It's really funny. I yeah. love it. He's um, so privileged. Exactly. He just got straight to this ranking. We didn't even train him. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's funny that we're mentioning sort of all the characters mm-hmm. and stuff. I'll, I'll, um, I got a couple things I wanted. I yeah. sort of wrote down. I was like, oh yeah, please, yeah. I don't know as a, as a kid that I ever paid attention to the opening crawl of what the story and setup of this game was. Yeah. Um, you know, you press start, you press A, and you go, and you're in, and you play, and that's it. I yeah. think that was very common for a lot of a lot of kids, especially for me when I was. I don't know. I guess I was not even a teenager yet when I first started playing this. It's it's interesting because, you know, they set up like this really intense sort of setting. And one of the characters, not, it was a pigma, one of the characters like switches teams mm-hmm. on them. Yep. Yes. And, and like betrays his dad, like Fox's dad and stuff. And I was like, whoa, what? That's who this guy yeah. is? Like, that's why I... I Honestly, I think I learned something last week when I when I read that because I don't I don't know any story. I don't I never followed these games necessarily. I just know that I really loved this game and mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So then when he pops up in a later stage, I'm like, I'm gonna get you first. If I can figure out which ship is yours, you're yeah. going down first, buddy. So <laughs> love that. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and then uh, I don't remember what stage it was. Uh, it is, again, through, like, the accomplished path mm-hmm. on the left side there. That's just, I guess that's the way that I, I don't know how to how else to characterize it. But um, And then when Kat shows up mm. in a couple stages. I don't know if you guys ran into that. Yeah. But yep. she shows up and gives you a hand. And I loved that. I completely forgot that that was a thing. Um, you know, her little music cue shows up and everything. And... It was great. I I loved that part that that she shows up and sort of helps your team out for a couple stages. Yeah, I guess Falco's girlfriend. Like, yeah, hard to say. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. They kind of flirt a little bit, and like he's he's very like actually somewhat abusive, verbally abusive towards her, and, and then she just flirts back. It's very strange. A very intense, uh, intensive relationship. Yeah, there's <laughs> some, something strange going on there. They got a bit of a history or something, and then you've oh, got hundred percent. Yeah, and then you've got Bill in one of my favorite levels in the game, which is basically like a Mission Impossible, or uh, sorry, Jesus, uh, which is basically like an Independence Day level where there's this giant mothership flying over, and all of these ships are coming out, and you need to like 
take down the mothership oh, yeah. and all of these different ships and you need to t- you can't destroy any of bill's guys and you can- you have to only destroy the bad guys otherwise you don't get the good ranking at the end um but right. bill- bill's kind of like this kind of hippie uh what bulldog or something in like a hawaiian shirt i'm not quite sure what he's yeah. <laughs> i'm not sure i see yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm not sure what his story is again it's like i want to know everyone's backstory here and like you don't know anything <laughs> about them you're not going to see bill again in the entire game i don't think i think it's just that one level where he's like dude that, what are you yeah. doing man he's like the shaggy of the it's like of oh the gang. bill my old bud let's go let's there's just like a, one <laughs> there's just like weed smoke coming out of his ship yeah. as he's flying around <laughs> I, I love bill bill is top tier bill saves your ass so Bill's i gotta great, man. I, I gotta give right. bill a lot of credit the characters in this game the characterizations and the dialogue dialogue are of course fantastic i think it for me it's what makes this game so unique so replayable and so much fun to play even today and of course there are some great phrases uh dave are there any phrases that live in your mind rent free i mean everyone has the barrel roll thing. Sure. i think that pops up in everyone's head whether they even they even know where it comes from yeah um and uh i don't know that there's like one thing in particular i think a lot of the i i, I think the, the sort of like quote unquote general consensus is like, oh, Slippy's so annoying. He always needs your help. I'm sorry, but they always all need your Peppy help. Peppy needs your help even more, in my opinion. I swear, Peppy would like get yeah. shot down within seconds of every single mission. I need to lodge a complaint. I think Peppy might be senile. <laughs> like I think he's definitely we need to age him out of his his job. He's definitely done. He's past it. Like he he's constantly reminding you of your dead dad too. Like, yeah. I don't know if you guys caught yes. on that. Like every single level he's like, boy, this takes me back to days with your dad. It's like can you not? <laughs> I wish I wish there was like a dialogue tree. You could just be like, "All right, old timer, let's yeah. let's just let's get you enough. to bed. All right, you know, get your head in the game. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> Stop living in the past, man. <laughs> the one that absolutely lives in my head is when when Peppy does go down to zero percent, which feels like instantly every time. Uh, when he says, "Sorry, guys, I got to sit this one out," is uh, right. one of his one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and when you hit Falco, which sometimes I'd I'd hit Falco on purpose. Uh, and he'd say, "Hey Einstein, I'm on your side." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one stands out. It's a, it's really good delivery, and like it is. you know, I think they they pulled out. Uh, it, it's tough. The 64 is is tough with uh, with its sound chip and everything. I don't think that a lot of games sound incredible, no. but when they really focused in, and there's not a lot of uh, you know voiceover dialogue in a lot of these games, but there's just enough in this, and the delivery is is really good. That even if some of it's repetitive, it's it's still entertaining. It's still pretty good, and. You know, it doesn't overstay its welcome because the game isn't you know sixteen hours long or anything. So I I exactly. thought it was I thought it was fine. That's yeah. That's actually a really good point. The whole thing that like because it is a short game, the re- the repetition of this dialogue doesn't make you want to like blow your brains out. Because yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. A lot of these games, even the GameCube era, or especially in the GameCube era, there we we had to play through some of these games that just had this constant repetition and dialogue that would get mm-hmm. old so fast. Yeah, especially those 3D beat em up games. This game doesn't have that issue at all, and it makes sense that like the um, the sound quality is a little bit compressed. It's a little bit grainy because mm-hmm. they're they're coming in through a PA system in yeah. a spaceship. So it's like no, it's not supposed to be clear. Like they're talking to you through a speaker, like through Zoom, basically, the entire time. <laughs> Space Zoom. Yeah, yeah. T- t- exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the the little one, the one liners in the game are obviously iconic. I think that that I think that Star Fox 64. I'm sure there's stats on this, but I think it might be the most memed Nintendo franchise of all time. <laughs> Maybe quite possibly in the top ten most memed video games of all time, actually. Yeah. To the point yeah, where if, lots there. To the point where if you type in dual barrel roll in Google, the whole screen flips. I don't know if you guys knew that. 
Um, it, <laughs> no? It might, it might not do that anymore. It might have only been for a short while, but there was a time where you could type in, if you can try it right now and see if it does anything. But it, I'm it 100% does, trying that. Sure. It did a spin, and and that's like completely just... <gasps> it does do it. Oh, there you go. it does. What? Fun fact Come of the day for you. On. <laughs> yeah. Can you think of anything else on Google where something like that happens? And it's based on a video game that, for the most part, Nintendo completely doesn't talk about anymore. It didn't sell well yeah, on really. the Wii U. It's died. It's told, it sold 12 million units from start to finish. My favorite, my favorite line, and I use it almost every day in my mind, is... Is like whenever somebody can't do something, in my mind, I always think, can't let you do that stuff, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. And it's like we used to like in in um, high school when friends would like go to Starbucks, we'd be like, can't let you brew that Starbucks. Like just like, <laughs> oh like stupid God. crap like that. Like just I love Star Wolf. He's so, he's such as this like this evil for some reason British wolf. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's great. I love all of his lines. Like all those guys' lines are so good. Um, there isn't really a miss. I love when Slippy like just hey, what's the big idea? You know. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. I, I thought his, I mean, yeah, what? He's more annoying because his, his voice is higher pitched? So what? I thought that was totally fine. He was, and and this is also sort of, I mean, it's not really the, the audio and stuff, but going off of the characterization of these characters, I, is he not the most useful? He like is. When he, if you ha- especially if you haven't played this game before. It's true. When you lose Falco, do you lose anything in the stage? Like, does no. he have like a, you know, passive ability like these other two do? Because... He's the only one, Slippy's the only one that gives you a health bar. That's true. For mm-hmm. the bosses. Right. I don't know that Falco has anything except for yelling at you for doing something <laughs> wrong. Um, and, uh, you know, quivering when his ex-girlfriend shows up. Other <laughs> yeah. than that, uh, you know, what? Is he stronger, faster? I don't know. There's no, everyone's just sort of on rails anyway, right? So yeah. Slippy's the important one, man. Call him annoying if you want, if that's if that's how people feel. But to me, he had the most useful thing you could pro- tool you could possibly have out of the three of them that's true he's basically the engineer because i think the it's explained later but his uncle grippy is also like a bit of a tinkerer and an inventor so he's kind of yeah. taking after that and um this may be too soon of a joke but slippy did create the submersible that you use in one of the levels and it survived so i'm just <laughs> yep. gonna say that infinite <laughs> torpedoes too slippy made you a submersible tor- right? a torpedo or a, a submersible submarine uh, that fired infinite torpedoes, and there's no other ga- uh, no other ship in the game, rather, where you get infinite torpedoes. So, just saying, he Hashtag did make save that. Slippy. Slippy was right. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yep, I'm with you. I'm with you. There we go. I'm there. Yeah. Now, so some people will will say that yeah, Slippy's annoying. Whatever. I I, I love Slippy. It's uh, not not a con for me, but there are some cons in this game. It's it's a near perfect game for me for sure. Uh, I have a couple of small ones. Like I don't love the Landmaster levels. Um, there's some levels that are. I found incredibly difficult for what it ended up being. But uh, are there any cons that you can think of to this game, Dave? I, actually, it's funny that you mentioned the the submarine. That that stage I didn't love. No. Um, yeah. I, I think I like the idea of it being like, oh, it's something different. Just like the land levels. Like, okay, it's something different. That's kind of cool. But it didn't quite... It felt a little too dark and felt a little too chaotic for stuff that you couldn't quite see. Yeah. Um, which made it more difficult. And part of that lays into my biggest issue with the game, or honestly, one of the only issues, like you said, near perfect. But um, when you die, you have to get your laser upgrade again in your ship. Like, let's say you, you... you know, die in a stage, mm-hmm. you start, you restart that stage and then your lasers are down to whatever the original single beam power green or whatever, is, the single green laser or yeah. whatever. And if you happen to die at a boss or don't get a laser upgrade or a weapon upgrade, then now you're stuck with that. And some bosses or especially the stages where you have to fight 
against the enemies that are also in their ships and the sort of all range mode uh, stages, especially towards the end of the game, it's insanely hard to take them down because the power of your shots do nothing. Yeah. And you're just kind of flying in circles. So I think I, I had, you know, you get some extra lives, I think every hundred enemies that you kill or something, something like that, 150 or something like that. It gives you an extra life. I think it took me like five tries to get through the final all range mode stage against uh wolf and all those guys. And, and, and I was going to say pig man um, <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew that last stage on the sort of left-handed accomplished uh, route. They're, they're pretty aggressive and they're pretty tough. It's actually a pretty hard stage and I died. And then I was never able to get an upgrade on my lasers again. So it was like, it was actually a very tedious tax to beat that. And then I only had one extra life left to beat the Andros stage. And mm-hmm. luckily I was able to do it. But those last two stages, if you're in that scenario, that kind of, it's 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 not great and the drops are kind of random so to upgrade your laser again you don't know if you're going to get it and then you might die again anyways and you're starting from scratch and so i didn't love that part of it but um but that would be pretty much the only thing i think yeah the laser upgrade itself is is a big con for me too like i don't know why that has to be a thing like it's one of i I understand maybe like collecting the golden rings to increase your health every Mm -hmm. level but like the the laser thing feels kind of like a forced arcade mechanic that didn't need to be there because this game does feel very arcadey like play a quarter and see how far you can get kind of arcade game um yeah it could be that yeah yeah, so i think that that's what it it feels like a space invader is something from that era um that laser upgrade thing because you really don't like it doesn't need to be there i like the rings for health that you kind of collect throughout the level i like that you can find you can collect wings like if you destroy your wings in the level you can get new ones uh you Mm -hmm. obviously need to find bombs scattered around that makes sense like for ammo um but yeah losing your lasers is a huge problem um i usually played with the game shark when i was a kid so i just had the good laser all the time anyway well la dee da yeah what? this game would start this game with game shark man <laughs> completely different experience that's all i'm gonna say but yeah no it's uh, yeah it's a cheating experience <laughs> yeah that's right neil come on it's not like no. i used to spend points this week playing on that's right the online. <laughs> <laughs> that's right but yeah aquas is probably one of the weaker levels yeah. in the game as much as slippy did try to make us a decent submersible with infinite ammo it's definitely the least fun level to play for me too it's just slow it's mm-hmm. dark it's 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 kind of water hard to levels control. water time. levels they, water levels at least there's only one there's only one the rest yeah, there's two two in the landmaster i think and then the rest are all yeah. uh our wing levels which is the way it should be uh keep fox in the our wing flying around that's the best star fox in my opinion I think so too. But uh, Dave, it's been amazing having you on to talk about some Star Fox 64. Is there anything else you'd like to mention? I'm sure there's a ton of stuff we can talk about and we can talk for hours about it for sure. But is there anything else specifically that you'd like to mention before we let you go? I mean, honestly, this game uh, is, uh, it's this. I put this game in a very similar sort of pantheon. Um, I'm going to relate it to a movie, but every time I watch Jurassic Park, the original one, mm. I think... I already love that movie, and I think, oh my god, is this my favorite movie ever, or is it a top five? It probably is like a top five all time with me. Mm-hmm. Every time I replay this game, or even just think about it, I go, is this <laughs> like a like a top five, hundred percent, like a top ten game of all time for me? Is it my favorite sixty four game? I'm always going through that in my head when I've when I've replayed this, and this was just another reminder of like. You know, maybe I, I continually, for some reason, don't this game give this game as much credit as I should, even though I consistently say I love it. Maybe I love it more than I even think I love it. You know, mm. it's awesome. I I absolutely love this game. Um, aside from that one nitpick about the lasers, like we were saying, everything else to me in this is 
as close to perfect as you can get. It's just, it's not too long. It plays really well. Everything we've discussed. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy you guys asked me to come on because <laughs> I was happy to replay this game. Like it was, I was like instant, hell yeah, let's do it. So I'm with you. Like this is definitely in my top 10, maybe not top five. I'd have to go and look, um, but definitely top 10 and definitely top five N64 games for sure. Favorite. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. It's, it's aged the best, the on-rail shooting. It's just the way N64 games haven't aged well when you have freedom with the camera this game gives you no freedom with the camera so it's all just curated you're going to play the game very similarly every single time in terms of the camera angle so that's not an issue in the game ever which definitely has helped the aging process with it so definitely a game that you can go back to like jurassic park and be in and out basically in the same amount of time that jurassic park takes for you to finish (laughs) um and and you obviously know best because you have played a lot of n64 games and you're you're an expert on the n64 now as you're slowly going through the uh the n64 library on the remember 64 podcast which mike and i mentioned we have both been on and you've covered star fox 64 i think on that show and i was checking on spotify that was a two-hour episode i think so um we've we've talked about it but we haven't like talked about it exclusively yet like it's it's what like games like that are are like this and and you know the the big the heavy hitters you know we we did uh majora's mask that was a longer bigger one and stuff like those ones I, you know, you got to give them like all this time, right? If we're oh, yeah. doing one game at a time and going through the library, like, yeah, honestly, if we end up doing it exclusively, this game, I have a feeling that it's going to be longer than the actual gameplay itself. <laughs> <laughs> for better or for worse, I feel I like that's it. what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so easy to talk about because not only is it a fantastic game, but it was, it was really a landmark game for the N64. And when you're, when you have an N64 podcast, like you do, uh, you do have to give it the time of day for sure. You got to give it quite a few hours to, to have a deep dive. But speaking of that, uh, want to give you this time to plug, uh, your podcast, of course, and, uh, anything else you're working on right now. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, you guys mentioned that I'm a quote-unquote expert on the 64. I would just call myself an interested party hmm. that happens to talk into a microphone uh, bri- bri- briefly after holding a Nintendo 64 con- uh, controller on my hand. So that's how I would categorize myself. Um, just because I know how to upload my audio doesn't mean that I'm an expert. Um, fair, fair. <laughs> and I've been called out on my own show uh, that it is not my favorite console of all time. It is just one that I'm very interested in and the generation that I'm very interested mm-hmm. in. Because... Um, the way that I would put it is the PlayStation and the 64 are awkward. Um, they are the awkward teenage years, and I think that's fascinating. Um, for better or for worse, trying to make our way through, trying to make my way through the entire library. Um, I'm not sure if I'll be alive by the time I do that, but I'm going to try. <laughs> um, the whole point is to basically go through a little bit of, uh, for Remember 64s, go through a little bit of the history, very brief overview of how the game was made and where some of the ideas might come from. Um, and then just have a guest or guests on like I did with you guys and um, and chat about playing the game just like we just did here. So that's pretty much how we're going to try and do as many games as we can before we get old or aren't around anymore or uh, we get shut down because I don't know, whatever, Nintendo. Um, but uh, but it, it's been a lot of fun to do it. You know, I've I've I'm, I'm happy to play a console like this uh, from start to finish, so to speak. Because I think for the most part, it's Star Fox 64, it's Mario Party, it's Ocarina of Time, Mm -hmm. uh, it's Mario Kart, it's Diddy Kong Racing. After that, all these in-between type games, it's fun to play them for the first time. Yeah. Because there's a lot of games that I played already for the first time, and we're just shy of 40 episodes, or 40 games at least. And 
that's not even close. That's not even crack, cracking the, you know, the surface of what this console has. So it's really fun to do that. Um, and going to keep, keep doing it, but you can find the show and across all your podcast feeds, of course, remember 64 and then social media is a little bit of a mess at the moment, as we all know, but, uh, remember 64 show is where you can find that across pretty much every app aside from Facebook. I think I got pretty much everywhere else. Um, it's impossible to keep up keep up with, yeah. but uh, I do what I can. <laughs> yeah, and of course, so for people who loved the GameCube is cool uh, side of things, you'll love the Remember sixty four. Basically, yeah, Dave does the same idea going through those games, uh, and and you know I got to give you credit because you're going. We had we did some twelve by twelve episodes where we went just oh, went straight through some of these terrible racing games or terrible fishing games uh, just to <laughs> get those off the bat. Uh, you're going through one by one for the most part, so that is uh, nice to see, and I I wish you luck with your endeavors of <laughs> i i'm i think i'm gonna need it so thank you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sweet and if you need help covering any n64 games feel free to reach out to mike and i we love to come on and talk about a few of them more so me because we know mike hates the n64 except for select titles <laughs> like banjo and zelda we've, and Star we've Fox. talked about That's this right, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, happy to help you get through it as uh as quickly and as easily and as fun as possible it's a great console for me i'm like you i love the n64 not my favorite console but if anybody's mad at you because it's not the only console you play, that's their problem, in my opinion. The fact that you play N64 <laughs> and new stuff and GameCube and PC, like, you definitely play some new stuff. Because if you were only playing N64, I think I'd question your your interests. Because you're right. It is the awkward adolescent phase of uh, video games. It's interesting. It's very nostalgic for me. But can be a little bit rough. So all the best to you on the Remember 64. And we hope to have you back uh, on our show again real soon. Sounds great, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, buddy. See you later. See ya. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you very much, Dave, from the Remember 64 podcast for coming on today, talking about uh, some Star Fox 64 with us. I love love his feedback for that. That was fantastic. And just like hearing uh, his story with the cousin, that's such a, like that unlocked such a memory for me too. I remember doing that as well with like, with my cousin, uh, not for uh, Star Fox 64. I forget what game we did it for. I almost want to say, and this sounds really stupid, I almost want to say it was for like the Mario Party, but like the single player mode. You know what I mean? Like for like on the GameCube. Why like, did you just play multiplayer? I, I exactly. I know. <laughs> That's why I told you it was going to sound stupid. <laughs> Man, just if only us. we could play this game together, huh? <laughs> I almost like want to say we didn't have another controller or something, or like the Mad Cats controller broke, Ooh, like yeah. you know mm. something like that. But uh, I I love stories like that. Love that he was able to play it through on the the hard mode as well, and uh, or the hard path and. Playing it today, loving it still, I think that says so much uh, that uh, that it holds up today in that regard. Yeah, I love the the handing back and forth controller thing. <laughs> uh, obviously, something have not done in a long time. Uh, thankfully, I mean it, it's nostalgic, but like I'm sure at the time it's like crap. I can't play now. Um, but yeah, I, I'm happy to talk to people who love Star Fox 64 as much as I do and as much as you do, and um, it just validates my opinion that uh, Star Fox 64 is the greatest. Uh, it's just game an echo chamber Star today. Fox. <laughs> Basically, we are we are definitely talking to one sided people. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of defense out there for the other Star Fox games, as we'll talk about later in our review that review segment. Obviously, but yeah, uh, Dave, a pleasure to always have him on. Of course, remember 64 and the Back in My Day mm-hmm. podcast where they talk about some new stuff too. I love their conversations around movies. They're very knowledgeable about all things Marvel and Star Wars and uh, like Dave was talking about Jurassic Park. So big blockbuster films like that. 
I hope that he can get to the end of the N64 library, but we'll have to wait and see. He might be close to 98 years old by the time <laughs> that's done. So all the best to him getting through all those sports games on the N64. But Mike, our lines are still ringing. There is a caller waiting to join the show. So why don't you introduce our next friend of the day to talk about some Star Fox 64. All right, Neil, joining us today, our second guest of the show, another member, technically, of the Remember 64 podcast. We have friend of the show, Luigi. We're really excited to have him on once again at Luigi's apartment. Uh, he does great work. He's got podcasts. We'll talk about them later in the show. We've had him on multiple times already. I think the last one, or at least my favorite one of recent times, was uh, the Roller Coaster Tycoon episode. We had so much fun having you on uh, for that one, and we're going to mm. have... Some more fun to talk about some Star Fox 64 today. But our first question to you would be, when you play Star Fox 64 with your N64 controller, what button do you press to do a barrel roll? Is it pressing R twice or is it pressing the Z button or the Z button in, in America? Uh, no, that's fine. Uh, R. <laughs> really? I definitely go with R. Good. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, you're getting overshadowed here, Neil. I definitely am, but I, that's not fair, though, Mike, because you played this game on 3DS, so you didn't have the Z trigger on the 3DS, so Ooh. Dave was also a, a, an R guy, and I'm a Z or Z guy. Press Z to do the barrel roll. That, that's just what I did. Um, you can do both. We're, we're definitely true. still going to do this Instagram. You can do both. It's uh, they, they had so many buttons to play with on the N64 that they had to give us <laughs> options, I guess. Just didn't feel right to, to go with that. I'm sure that I flip back and forth depending on how panicked I am in a boss fight and everything. But the barrel roll, the dual barrel roll is obviously one of the, the biggest memed jokes in mm -hmm. all of video games. We were talking about that with Dave and how Star Fox 64 is arguably the most memed Nintendo game of all time and po possibly <laughs> the top video game meme of all time but just how much it crossed over into pop culture to the point where did you know that if you type in do a barrel roll in google the whole screen does a does a barrel roll that's stupid i don't like that <laughs> it's stupid but it's awesome <laughs> but like how many things can you think of where it's like google will react to a certain way depending on what you type in like it feels like a rick astley meme or something yeah like it's got to be something is... of that elk it's pretty spot on like i know there's dumb little uh puns like if you search skew everything slightly off and stuff like that but do a bail roll that's really? just too much i'm i'm sorry <laughs> i it's, it, it's a lot when you watch it too i'm like oh my god my head i like feel like i just got flipped around but uh yeah the what we were talking offline a bit give yourself the, vertigo yeah exactly uh yeah we were talking offline a little bit before you came on about uh about the number 42 from hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy there's some google thing with that if you type mm. in 42 or meeting of life or something of course. Someone else out there can tell me exactly what it is, but that's the only one I could think of that. How whimsical. It's, it's so whimsical. Google is so whimsical. You caught me on a cynical day, apparently. <laughs> I've, I've been reading Vonnegut, so that's probably why. It's just another thing to make you forget that someday you will be dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it goes. Slaughterhouse-Five. So everything is happening all at the same time. Boom. Mm. That's, uh, that's We're going to go into some deep introspective. We are all unstuck in time and going back 27 years into the past to talk about a classic video game. <laughs> what a great segue. Thank you. <laughs> we are going back 27 years in the past to talk about this classic uh, video game, Star Fox 64. There's so much to talk about. There's so many things we'd like to talk about with you, of course. Uh, and one of them, our first one would be, what are your first memories of playing Star Fox 64? The VHS tape. I got the VHS tape in the mail. Yes, I got the promotional Nintendo of America oh, wow. hot garbage VHS <gasps> tape in the mail. Do you still have it? I do not. I don't know where that one went. I still have the Donkey Kong one. Nice. Okay. Uh, but not the one where they like tortured a a like Mario plushie 
uh, and by they I mean the the representative <laughs> the like racketeering representatives for Sony and Sega kidnapped a guy out of the Redmond like office parking lot <laughs> and like tortured him for information on their upcoming like game and technology uh, including the rumble pack I think he had to torture electrocute a Mario plushie to to get him to talk about the rumble pack technology um i was sold i was so ready (laughs) and and had you played star fox before star fox 64 like were you an snes kid with the star fox game or was this your first experience in the lilat system i i don't think i had played the snes one though it it was just infamous because it had like a special chip in it Mm -hmm. and like i had stunt race fx but like i knew about the fx chip enough to be like oh man like this is serious like the star fox it's good it's so good you don't know how good it is because it has and i didn't know how good it was because i didnn't play it and then you just had these characters in their little triangle ships going and that's what everyone was talking about that's what started the franchise and that's what brought us star fox 64 which is the peak of the star fox franchise is what most people will say so you got the VHS tape in the mid '90s, I suppose. You, you, I guess, got Star Fox '64 maybe for a birthday or for Christmas. What were your first impressions of playing this game when you popped it in? Did you get 16 AA batteries for your Rumble Pack and instantly start playing with Rumble turned all the way up, so it felt like your hand was going to explode every time you blew something up? <laughs> well, they were they were AAA batteries. Let's let's was be it real, real. It's AAA. Um, oh, I thought it was AA. Okay. And uh, I'm I am fairly certain. Maybe I'm the wrong one i don't know I, I and yes i did because i played this game non-stop for like a week <laughs> nice. like this is all that i did i was obsessed with it yeah it's really good <laughs> <laughs> ringing endorsement how, how articulate <laughs> <laughs> so what are some levels that stood out to you when you played the game uh did you obviously coronary is the game starts off it's a branching path kind of system there's 15 levels in the entire game there's mm. 25 different paths that you can take to get to Andros Venom, there's even two final boss levels if you want to get... It's amazing. It's it's absolutely incredible. Were there any... Well, I'm assuming most people go through the easy path to start with, but all, over the years you learned the different secrets and ways to get to the different levels. Were there any specific levels that stood out to you at the time and to this day? Well, it was all a, a huge blur. Like, <laughs> if, if you give me a tank, I'll be happy. Um, some of the sector levels <laughs> I liked more than others, but it... it Basically, it took me a week to to get to each level. Um, mm-hmm. Like by by the next week, I had beaten all of the levels and like had gotten true ending. And yes. just because I just played it so much, I didn't know like why I was able to, you know, what the secret was for everything. Because um, like in the first level, you have to fly under all of the arches. I must have just done that one of the times. Yeah. And like something new happened. And so I was like, oh, cool. Like that was a thing that I can do. So it, it was just a lot of throwing my head at it. I, th- I think if I think about it now, um, the level with Bill, just, you know, all, ra- you know, a lot of all range mode uh, dog fights are a lot of fun. Um, but and yeah, it, it, the Macbeth, the tank level. I loved that. And and true ending Venom is just an onslaught of fun. So. There's just there's so many great moments in this game, I think. Like there there's I think all the levels for the most part are well done and like they play well today, which is 
something that you can't say about most N64 games, games <laughs> as I'm sure you know. And, and that's one thing that I really enjoyed yeah. playing this in, in, in present day. Like, like have you have you played this? I know you said that you played it weeks and weeks on end when it came out, but have you played this, like, in recent years? Yeah. I don't know if I've gotten through, like, a whole run of it, but, like, mm-hmm. I booted up and still have a good time. Uh, I think I did that after I came on to talk about Star Fox Assault, which is just mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of disappointing mush. And so <laughs> I needed to play Star Fox 64 after that because, you know, like I said, there's you said there's multiple different paths you can take to the end, mm-hmm. um, but they're designed in a way that you're, you're going to hit Team Star Wolf at some point. You're going to... Um, at least see like some of the side characters or run into some of the story and yeah like it, it's really it's really cool how like no matter which way you go you're still getting a full story in a way yeah and you might play it multiple times and never see specific characters too like I didn't see Cat until way later because you don't get her until I think you play on mm. Zonus the level above or no Oc- yeah Zonus is the one above the the ocean. I think that's the first level. She, <laughs> I, the inside the ocean level is not great, but uh, I like the one above the ocean. But uh, the like you don't see her for a while. You'll see Bill. You'll see Star Wolf and the gang, mm. and a few other characters here and there. Obviously, General Pepper and Rob are in every cutscene. But you you don't hear about these these different levels or bosses or characters until you start talking to people on the schoolyard. And it's like, oh, I don't know how, how did you get there. It's like, oh, you got to fly through these rings. You got to get this this level score and that's what this game is so incredible with is that there are so many ways the replayability is is so spectacular like i mentioned before there's 25 different Mm -hmm. paths now playing one path compared to the other might not be super different but just the fact that that's how many ways there are to get to the credits in this game is is unbelievable especially for a game in the 90s nowadays you'll hear of a game that has 50 endings and people kind of shrug um (laughs) but a, a game that has 27 uh or 25 different paths and multiple different characters and different vehicles in it it's pretty ambitious for a mid-90s game. You can play in the R-Wing, you can play in the Landmaster tank, and you can play in the submarine uh, that Slippy made for us in one unfortunate level. Mm -hmm. Another way that you can play the game, other than the branching paths, is also to try and get the medals in each game by uh, getting a high score, which feels very arcade-y. Each level has a minimum high score that you need to get. It's between 50 for the lowest level and and 300 in the highest level. Um, I used to rent this game from Blockbuster when I was a kid, and every time I got it, all the planets had the medals already on them, so of course we would do that and start again uh, just because oh, we could you do that well we couldn't we couldn't let other people's saves ruin our week because it was march break and this is now our <laughs> game so yeah but then you can have six sunglasses i suppose so we could have unlocked the sunglasses but no we needed to we need that was always the thing to do when you rented a game was you had to delete everybody else's save just in case they get the game back i don't want i don't want mike to get his copy of majora's mask back and, and then start off from where he was he needs to start at day one like the rest of us but it's a it's a way in the game that i since i was a kid never really cared all that much about like i've always just wanted to unlock the secret path to another level i've always wanted to just fly through the rings and get to mm-hmm. uh the meteor belt or whatever it is did you ever go after the high scores in the game were you going after like 300 hits in a single level oh yeah i wanted my score to be as high as possible um Mm. the yeah because that that is how you get a lot of the or how you get the medals is and i wanted all of the medals and i needed them Mm -hmm. i did eventually get them (laughs) and then like my brother erased the file and wow that's the thing that he does (gasps) just it just happens so so then you punched him like arthur punches dw 
just full. No, because by that, I was numb to it at that point. That's so sad. It just it had happened so many times. The same thing with like Donkey Kong. It would happen with Donkey Kong sixty four later. It would ha- you know all sorts of stuff. So, um, but like. Yeah, I was I was very hell bent on getting the highest score I possibly could on every level. I you know this was a run based game to me, mm-hmm. so you could you could be done in like I don't know forty forty five minutes with with a yep. with a you know a full playthrough. See the credits cutscene or the credits music is awesome, and then yeah, then play it again. <laughs> and then you get your invoice at the end of the game with uh, Pepper telling you how much you owe the uh, the Lilat system yep. because of all the damage that you caused. And you're like, great, I'm going to yep. go play a different game now. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And you you mentioned something that we haven't actually talked about at all yet. And it's one of the most iconic parts about this game, at least for me. And that's the music. And mm. I think the, the, the music is fantastic in this game, especially... We talked about with Dave about the audio in this game and how it's actually it's it's a bit compressed, but it it sounds better than some other N sixty four games at the time. Um, I love the music. Oh yeah! If I went back and listened, to, I haven't actually listened to the OST of this in a long time, and I bet all of it, all of it's just up there, and I'd be like crying at some point. Because <laughs> um, yeah, I do I do yeah. love this music, especially I, I mentioned the the credit song because it just. It was a cool song. I wouldn't hit, I wouldn't hit reset or anything. I just sit there and watch the credits again. Um, it's probably how I picked up a lot of Nintendo developer people's names at that point. Was just watching credits for games. It also sounds very similar to like Ocarina music. Yes, yes. Um, mm-hmm. At least you know it, it's definitely the. I hate this term now, but like the sound font. Mm. Um, it, it like it would be like the exact same. Uh, MIDI, what you know, whatever files that they were using on the other game. So, and and they're they're very right. similar yeah. in that way. I don't know if uh, you've ever seen these uh, like orchestra, like the video game orchestra nights. I don't know if your city does that, but like in Toronto, we always mm. get like Zelda ones and Final Fantasy ones, and, and yeah. stuff. usually it's it's usually either one of those two. I've seen a Zelda one before; they're great. I would love to see a Star Fox Symphony. That would be so cool. Yeah, there's definitely enough to uh, warrant it. Um, I think they did orchestrate. Was it Assault? I think one of the games is orchestrated. I forget which one. It might have been Zero. The one of the ones that Assault was the first one, I think. Yeah, I think that 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 sounds right. Um, but no, the Star Fox sixty four soundtrack is so good. Um, I would love a high res version of it. Mm-hmm. Put it on vinyl for Mike. <laughs> um, it, it's very good, and I can tell like every single like got that opening, the opening, but like just that big sounding, very Star Wars esque. Um, the game obviously takes a ton of inspiration from Star Wars and uh, Thunderbirds, which is uh, where the original game took a lot of its uh, influences from. One thing that I did want to talk about that we have touched on it a little bit on this episode are the bosses in the game. Obviously, every level, like classic video games do, every level needs to end in a boss fight. Uh, Andros is the big boss mm-hmm. at the end of the game. Big monkey head with two hands and eventually you fight his brain too if you go through the hard level and his eyeballs um but all of the other 13 levels in the game all have their own unique bosses are there any boss fights in the game that have uh, have stood out to you well they're all pretty great because they a lot of the ways that nintendo goes about making like this is their on rails shoot 'em up game um but at the end they have a puzzle boss or you know something you got to hit in the right spot um Mm -hmm. and depending on whether you know you've played the game before you may not know what you're doing and 
keeping your teammates. This is another cool thing about Star Fox is keeping your teammates with you um, benefits you. And so um, Slippy will tell you like a weak point on the boss. Uh, if Peppy's or Peppy will tell you the weak point. If Slippy's around, you will get a boss meter mm-hmm. um, and tell you how much health they have left. And so keeping them around is, is beneficial to you for fighting the, the bosses too. Um, like, yeah, I, I, I keep going back to the train level because you fight this giant butterfly guy on a kite yeah. in a train <laughs> and yep. it's while other stuff is flying around you. And that whole level is just really cool. I like the switches at the end are, are tough to get all of them, oh, but yeah. it's so rewarding. You get an extra like 51 <sighs> kill points for it. Um, they're yeah, like just they're all very interesting and and more than just you know, here's my weak point hit my belly. Um, <laughs> the one in the water pisses me off. I always yeah. forget yep. exactly what I need to do. <laughs> You don't like fighting a giant clam? <laughs> well, okay, that one that one I'm pretty good with. Uh it sucks. You usually run out of health. That level is yeah. is really really rough. Like I always take a, a bunch of deaths there. But uh the one in the next level with cat, it's like this crane, crane machine yeah. and it's it's pooping out uh barrels at you and I always forget what I'm supposed to do. Um, and and God bless the rewind feature on the Nintendo Switch because oh yes yeah. the stupid <laughs> searchlights um, mm. like I've only been able to do that a handful of times and and I was it was when I was good at this game so I was able to do that again <laughs> yeah I feel that for sure just yeah I mentioned earlier too but like the fact that I love being able to just rewind <laughs> at points uh, on the mm-hmm. on the Switch Online. But I, I will say, you did mention with the team and everything with Peppy and Slippy actually being useful, even though sometimes they uh, they go down without a fight, <laughs> it seems like. Um, this team... Your father helped me like that, too. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> Not bad. Uh, the, the team dynamic in this game is really, really good, and it's honestly something that's lacking in games nowadays i feel like mm. where when you're with a team it's it usually ends up just being one mission that is actually important to have your team around uh, half the time it's just you alone uh and then there's a couple of obligatory like help me climb up here you know things with your with the rest of your team uh, i guess where Star Fox 64 like you feel very connected to your team, the story, the lore of like everything that's going on. You know about like Fox's yeah. dad and everything. Peppy fought with him. Like uh, you, you know all the backstory with Pigma everyone. Pigma shows oh, up. Damn Pigma, mm. we hate him. Damn it, turncoat. <laughs> but like you, you're, you, and and each one has actually has something to do, and you really do want to make sure that you save uh, your teammates. And the only thing I could really think of, uh, you, you might laugh at this, Neil, of the only like comparison that I could really think of where there was like such a good team dynamic was uh, for the GameCube is Cool podcast when we covered Call of Duty Big Red One. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that that's, yeah. <laughs> that's like one of the ones in my mind. Just I, I was like, yeah, that was one that you really needed your team for. Like you literally could not beat missions without the team and yeah. you had to keep the team mm. alive. And you also got super, super attached to the characters because they all had these really good backstories. Uh, it was Band of Brothers um, writers who 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 wrote uh, the Big Red One. So like the 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 storylines were good, the attachment was good there, and like when one of them died, it was such a hard loss, and you had to kind of figure out how to change your team based on that. And I I really felt it with Star Fox sixty four playing it today uh, this week, and and realizing that wow like this 
this is a pretty cool game for 1997 to have this mm-hmm. actual dynamic team element to it. Yeah, and add all the voice files in a in a Nintendo 64. Yes. Yeah, and they're all great. Like, they're all very sarcastic and throwaway lines, but like I said before, they've all been absolutely memed to death. Uh, you're right, Mike. The whole team dynamic in video games is, is largely gone for the most part. I feel like a lot of it now is like if you had a 4v like a four player uh, or a four character campaign, it's going to be you and three friends online. It's the four V one model. That seems to be really popular where you got to hop online and you play Star Fox with your friends. Now there's no peppy. It's, it's your, it's your buddy from work or whatever. Um, nowadays, it seems like all of the team, the team based games, if you are playing a single player game, it's you and one other person, like with God of war, you have Atreus with last of us, you have Ellie or whoever it is. And certain resident evil games, you have your, um, you have your missions where you have somebody kind of helping you out, but they inevitably die or something. Um, but to have three characters that are with you that each have their own unique set of skills and their own unique personality from the start of the game to the end of the game with characters that fly, no pun intended, fly in and out of the game in certain levels. And they have past history with uh, with the characters too. You can tell that there's like uh, some beef between other characters, almost as if some of them owe each other money or something. Um, <laughs> there's almost like a little bit of a love dynamic Killed between certain dad. characters. Or killed their dad. Yeah, like some some characters are responsible for the death of Fox's dad. Um, Pigma used to work for Great Fox and eventually went over to Andros's side. Um, you fight against Andros's nephew, which we were talking about earlier. Andrew, of course, who could forget? Uh, he's there. Like you can tell that all these. Ca- it's very much like Star Wars. Even- I love him. <laughs> so random. Oh, he's the worst. It's it's really good writing though, where they like, they don't they didn't explain too much to you. They just kind of they infer that all these characters know each other from mm-hmm. past events, yeah. and uh, they're gonna go off on more adventures after the game as well. Um, and there hasn't been any many sequels after that uh, that explain any more of these characters really other than perhaps Star Fox Assault and Adventures we get a little bit more um, exploration with some characters we get Slippy's Uncle Grippy of course which everyone needed to meet at some point I suppose Um, but the game (laughs) itself is a very well done self-contained story Um, you can play this game from start to finish dozens of times like you have uh, Luigi and Dave has and I have over the last 30 years and still find new stuff to enjoy and play it over and over again and want to keep playing it. Mm. So I guess that that does bring me to my next question though and Mike and I usually talk about this at the end of uh, every episode and that is what would you what would you like to see from a future Star Fox game? This the franchise has been dead for basically 7 years. Do you think we'll see another game and if so what do you think they should do? Co-op, dogfight, multiplayer, nonsense. Yeah, I don't know. Some sort of like Star Fox 99 basically. I, I guess hopefully we're past, you know, all the battle royale craziness, but like yeah. Hundred ships, friends, do do co-op shooting around <laughs> multiplayer. Like I, you that wouldn't like I said that would uh, mean that Nintendo would have to use the internet, and that sucks. Um, but yeah, that would <laughs> yeah, be cool. That's a huge roadblock. <laughs> Anything yeah. better than you know what they've done with it? We had multiplayer in Star Fox sixty four. We haven't really talked about that too much. Like that's something I played a little bit of uh, no, back in the day, but great. it's not great. Um, and also, like, I'm thinking of it from, like, a 90s lens. Like, I, I don't really know what it would be like today to play. But uh, uh, yeah. I, I think we're due for something like that. Because even even for those those bad Star Wars Battlefront games, like the EA ones that came out in 2015, 2017, uh, the one thing that I actually really enjoyed in those games was the dogfighting. I think the dogfighting in that was a lot of fun. And I it made me remember how much I like Star Fox. And I like those kind of games. I like that kind of style of of combat and i would love that in a new star fox it doesn't even have to be like 
killing other user players. I mean, you give everybody a good guy ship and have a bunch of bad guy computers and make it a tr- you know a score attack. Go for that because you, you said like yeah, a lot of these are like it's like a high score game, which makes it feel really, uh, you know, like old, but like attached to that that history, that tradition of mm-hmm. arcade shoot 'em up games where you're on rails. And so, um, like a lot of the speed runs of this game, they aren't. Mm-hmm. You're not speed running the game because you're on rails for most of the game. You're you're trying to be, you know, quickest to get to a certain like to two thousand kills. Oh, okay. um, hit that, you know. How how long will it take you to rack that point number up? And that's what the record is. Or or there's different. No, you know, you could do the three thousand one. I've seen the three thousand one. You have to like beat the game to get that, and you have to be, try. Uh, fit, you because you, you can do it as many times as you want. Just like you can reach start the level over and over and over again just to get the right number. But yeah, that it's a high score game. Uh, make a multiplayer, an asynchronous multiplayer where everyone's trying to kill drones. I don't know. I feel like you need to make that that on rails campaign though. Even if it is just like a short, maybe it's only two paths. Like you don't need to make a bunch of branching paths. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just the easy path and the hard path. I would feel like like if it's just a Star Fox online game where it's. 99 ships sure. or four mm-hmm. ships versus 2000. I'd feel like this is not what's Star- maybe it, they, maybe that's what Star Fox does need is a bit of a yeah. genre revival, like what uh, Zelda got at the beginning of, um, of the switch generation. But um, I feel like I've, I just feel like we've only really had like four or five Star Fox games with that traditional um, formula and two, two or three of those aren't very good. So, um, nope. to make a really good one in HD, like I feel like I said the same thing when Star Fox Zero <laughs> came out and they completely butchered that. Um, but just keep Fox in the ship, like give me 10 to 15 really bite sized 10 to 15 minute levels, and then give me that online multiplayer thing that sells that sells video games these days. But the, just pander to the old school fans and, and the kids too. I think that, that would be the way to go, yeah. Because four person dogfights ain't gonna do it. No, no. The other the, you were asking Mike about the multiplayer in the N sixty four version, and it's not great because you're basically just playing in uh, the all range mode in big yeah. maps with three other people. So it's very empty, and it's just like, hey, I shot you down. <laughs> we did it recently with with uh, some old friends that I probably would have played this game with at the time, and uh, and I won, and I went. You see. And that's why we didn't keep doing this back then, because <laughs> it just wasn't yeah. very fun. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's just not that fun, but it's okay because the rest of the game more than makes up for it. It is an instant classic. It's one of the best N sixty four games of all time. And I mean, I I get the the you don't want like we just want another game, so you don't even have to make these branching paths. Just a, a, a hard mode and an easy mode. And that's kind of how the mm-hmm. the map works. Is if you go up the the left side, that's the hard levels, mm-hmm. and the right side are the easy levels. But I I like that you can kind of cross between. There's sort of a middle difficulty in the middle, and you can you can sort of cross from the easy to the to the middle to the difficult. You can skip all the way around Cat's stupid level and the underwater level, and still get <laughs> to the hard true ending. And yeah, there's just something cool about that meandering. I'm going to find the levels I like to play the most and and still finish this the way I want to. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It it's it's a smart little game. I'm amazed that they haven't done anything good with it since. Yeah. 
Us too. <laughs> us too. Us too. But uh, we love having you on, Luigi, as always. It's always a blast to be able to talk to you about any of these games, especially mm-hmm. a game as great as this. But uh, we're going to give you this chance right now to plug uh, whatever you're working on on all of your different podcasts. Dave, of course, already plugged the end, the Remember 64 podcast, but please, wow. you can you can double plug it if you'd like. <laughs> Stop saying double plug. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would like to say, go ahead, double plug. For all your double plug needs, go to Double Plug Dave over at the Remember 64 podcast. Um, It's a great show. We both like Star Fox 64, clearly. And then Jiggy likes Star Fox Adventures for some reason. And it's okay. We all love him. But uh, it is a little weird. So go check out Remember 64. Uh, Also check out Need for Speed Running. We have an episode about Double Dash coming up (gasps) very soon. Double Dash Speed Runs, um, which is just a lot of really solid Double Dash uh, playing. Just Baby Park over Because that game is is very (laughs) solid. Oh, yeah. Baby Park, you're going like sideways on Baby Park. There's a thing (laughs) they do um, that just starts to – the model starts to skew after a little while. Um, And one of the things it does is if you – if you don't get hit once in Baby Park, you're practically going backwards by the end of it. Um, it's great. Speed runs are fun. Uh, video games are weird, and people find weird things to do in them. So go check out Need for Speed Running wherever you get podcasts. That's right. Great uh, podcasts. Uh, definitely check out uh, Luigi and all the stuff that he does. Uh, I- I'm excited to listen to the Double Dash episode because... We, we legally have to listen and be a part of any Double Dash content that comes out. That's that's part of our, our oh. signed agreement with, with GameCube, mm-hmm. just the GameCube overlords. So, uh, yeah, we'll be listening to it. <laughs> right. It, it is, I will say this about Double Dash, it is probably the best one. You're correct. Yeah. Um, we agree. <clears throat> it, it, is, it is something, um, it's just, there's just something about that game. Um, the, the, I, I think it proves my theory that Nintendo was horrified at what people were able to do to the N64 games because of how they're held together with duct tape. <laughs> yep. And the GameCube is like a complete reaction to that. It is. And so a lot of their GameCube games, while not completely solid, are still very, very solid. And it has taken decades to do to Double Dash what people did to the Mario 64 one. And, and what that means is that Double Dash becomes this... It is only a test of skill. It is just that. It is a technical technical game and i love it because it's it's wacky and stupid (laughs) and it's still the most serious game in the whole series and uh it's pretty great so we love it too and we were really disappointed by the uh the the, uh, mario kart 8 dlc tracks only two double dash courses in the entire thing just a complete garbage garbage. complete garbage we got 13 from tour and two from double dash take that and shove it I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say also that that those tracks suck mm. uh, because they're all ports yep, from the phone right. game. They are just the phone tracks ported yep. over, and I hate agreed. Them. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this whole episode has been a big echo chamber, and so we're gonna just keep going <laughs> with the Mario Kart. <laughs> I only surround myself by people that have the same opinions as me. <laughs> and but and I agree there with that, go. Neil. And I agree. It's the only way to stay safe out there. That's right. <laughs> well, Luigi, it's been amazing having you on uh, this week to talk about some Star Fox 64, and we hope to have you on again real soon. Use bombs wisely. <laughs> Take care, buddy. See ya. Bye. 
What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you very much, Luigi at Luigi's Apartment, for coming on today, talking about some Star Fox, some great conversations with him, some great conversations with Dave as well. Uh, and I love being able to have these guys on to talk with you, Neil, because they played this game. They grew up with it even more so than you, arguably. Uh, and it's been really cool to, to have them talk about like their nostalgia of it, just because I, I can't get on that same nostalgia level with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love the game, though. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you can't fake nostalgia. That's for sure. We can sometimes, you know, go along and, and get ourselves educated on games that we don't necessarily like, but you definitely can't make up stories about playing this game in middle school with your friends and talking about those schoolyard rumors about getting through branching paths like I mentioned how I'm an idiot when I was a kid so I didn't know I thought it was just one path all the way through and then learning that you can go through rings to get to a certain spot or, or uh, knock down a certain number of enemies to get to another spot so it's, it was really fun today to talk with Dave and Luigi about all of their experiences with this game and just living with Star Fox 64 for the last 30 years and what it means to them today and and how uh, how it's aged very well mm -hmm. considering the n64 and that generation of games for the most part everyone our age are very nostalgic for the n64 generation and the ps1 um but but you can admit a lot of these games graphically and control wise haven't aged particularly well it's nice to you know know that Star Fox 64 is actually aging pretty well yeah. in terms of all of those things with graphics and controls i think it, the the on rails aspect of the game lends itself to that but uh, we do have a couple more things to cover, Mike, before we close out today's episode. One of them, of course, is the back of the case for Star Fox 64, which I have right here. Mm. So I think it's time that we read the back of the case. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. The Lilat system has been invaded. Join Fox McCloud and his Star Fox team as they fight to save the galaxy from the clutches of the evil Andros. Travel to many different 3D worlds, battle the enemy in the air and on the ground, and listen in as Fox McCloud interacts with the cast of characters. See how it feels to feel what you see. Damn. The N64 Rumble Controller accessory instantly transmits all the bumps and blasts during the action. It's a new jolt to your game play experience. Very cool. Yep. The Rumble Pack takes up half of the half of the back of the case, Mike, along with the uh, like the little thumbnails and everything that the game has. On the front of the case too, it takes up a yeah, massive that's true. amount. Also, with the ugliest logo of all time, the Rumble Pack. Just yeah. a disgusting, blocky, chopped up font. Um, but it's like uh, yelling Rumble. Yeah, basically, the the case itself is okay. It's decent. I much prefer the Star Fox 64 3D uh, case. I think that looks much cooler. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You see Fox in his uh, in the cockpit flying through space. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what a good... I, I like the SNES one, personally, where Fox is a puppet. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> That really takes the, the, the Thunderbirds reference that uh, Miyamoto was inspired by to make the game. Um, also, Star Fox Assault is pretty good. It definitely hit and miss with the, with the box art. Um, but, Mike, we do have to review a review of Star Fox 64. Of mm. course, not everybody loves these games quite as much as you, me, Dave, and Luigi do. So I did dig deep into the Metacritic... Uh, well, and I found a pretty good review here from JJ350, who gave the game a 2 back in 2011. Mm. It's time to review that review. JJ says, I was so disappointed by this game that I registered on this site just so that I can warn other people, because wow. this game has yet to receive an honest review. What we have here is a turd wrapped in gold. 
As a big fan of Star Fox for the SNES, as well as Star Fox 2 for the SNES, I thought it would be perfectly natural for me to enjoy Star Fox 64 on the N64. Oh, how naive I was. This is easily not only the worst Star Fox I have ever played, but also the worst N64 shooter that I have played as well. Honestly, I am still in shock over how absolutely awful this game turned out to be. You see, the worst thing about the game is all of the hype and praise that surrounds it. You get the impression that not only is this a fantastic N64 game, but one of the best. At first, it is a very good game. However, once you get into it, you realize how this is a video game that is clearly a victim of genuinely terrible game design. Wow. Everything is way too easy at first. It's dead obvious. So, how do the game designers fix this? You would be right to think that they simply made it more challenging later on, but sadly, this is not true. The route that the designers chose to make this game more challenging was simply to make, ch make it cheap and as and as cheap as hell. That's right. You will not lose due to your own skill. No. If you lose, it will be due to some poor and or cheap design choice. To top it all off, the boss is nothing but a giant attached floating monkey head with giant attached floating hands. I think that pretty much well explains the story of this game as well. Please don't buy into the hype. There is nothing good and or special to be found here. Okay, well, this is... <laughs> there's a lot there. There's I'm a sorry. lot, yeah. No, 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 that's okay. So, JJ350, yeah, a uh, lot here that they are talking about, but nothing specific at all. They're, they're just saying, oh, bad game design. Okay, what about it? Oh, like, uh, cheap cheap choices or cheap things happened to me. Okay, what happened? Nothing specific. They're just angry. They're just angry because they can't play this game. Uh, and, like, we talked a little bit about the cons and stuff and how this is very much a game. Like, if you, if you don't like Flight Sims, if you don't like this kind of world of games, it's not going to be for you. It's mm -hmm. very much centered on that. Uh, but they did like the SNES version, so... Mm -hmm. Why would you not like the Star Fox 64 version? I don't know. I mean, maybe liking it less is is fine, but calling it a two and calling it one of the worst games on the N64. Get out, um, of, here. Get out of here. Get Take that and get the heck out of here. I don't know. Uh, you're right, though. There's nothing super specific about it. There's no, no exact examples. Um, every Nintendo game starts off easy, so I don't think that that's a con. We talked about it earlier. Corneria, the first level in the game, is one of my favorite games in all of Star Fox. I don't mind the fact that it's easy. It, it's nice that, it, It's nice to just have a game that you can, no pun intended, breeze through. Also, it doesn't sound like that this person, JJ, necessarily went through the hard path in the game, which uh, the second last boss in the game before you go on to Venom 2 is one of the hardest games in the entire series, in my opinion, with the three tentacle legs and everything really hard boss fight even on the switch with the uh, save states i have a hard time beating it uh the final boss being a giant attached floating monkey head is why I, is that a criticism i don't know <laughs> that was an interesting one for me too uh like two floating two floating hands and a head again if you get through the uh the harder ending boss in venom 2 it's a lot harder than that so i think that this person just went through the easy path which yeah like if you're not into the banter between the characters, um, if you don't like um, the graphics, and if you don't like maybe the controls, I can totally understand it. This game is far from being a two. Uh, the game works. It never crashes. It's not buggy. The frame rate does dip at times due to explosions and characters on screen. So that's just a, a restriction of the N64. But listeners out there, do not do not be concerned with this person's review. Star Fox 64 is far from a two. Uh, again, we hate numbers at the end of games, but uh, it's definitely above a five. I would give it at least a pass for the love of God. Yeah. Yeah, don't listen to JJ here. What you have to listen to, Neil, is a thousand one video games you must play before you die. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not in here. No, that's okay. No, it's in here. Don't what? worry. <laughs> it's in here. Okay. Of course, it's one of the greatest games of all time. So they did put it in and very, very cool. I like how they wrote it, but uh, starts off, the original Star Fox was a proof of concept 
for Nintendo's Super FX technology, a cartridge chip that allowed the aging SNES to throw around three-dimensional polygons in a way that the machine's original designers had never dreamed of. The N64 sequel had bigger ambitions. It wanted to take a band of furry pilots and create a space opera. You can reel off influences like the trench run from Star Wars here, complete with a cheesy moment when Fox's father returns. Independence Day as well provides the visual inspiration from a quite a brilliant mothership battle. Star Fox 64 moves from the bottom of the ocean to planets composed of lava, stopping off for dogfights in 3D areas and races through psychedelic wormholes. There are little Nintendo touches here too, like the camaraderie with the rest of your team and their dialogue of mostly complaints. The Rumble Pack <laughs> making its first ever console appearance to include force feedback. Uh, the multiple paths through the game dictated by your successes and failures and of course General Pepper's shocked what? when he receives the bill for your services at the very end. Nintendo's band of furry pilots and the remarkable space opera have a place in many hearts. It's beautiful. See, that's that's really that's obviously the side of the Star Fox uh, <laughs> coin that we land on. Obviously, it's uh, yes. I like I like calling it a space opera. That that's nice. I'm going to take mm-hmm. that. I never considered it a space opera before, but well, it, it is right because like mm-hmm. they really did push the narrative. You know, say what you will about the story, but like they 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 definitely pushed this as a narrative heavy uh, game with mm-hmm. great gameplay, which was really a first for Nintendo in that sense. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I I I love this love this review. I thought that was great, and yeah, the the what yeah. <laughs> General Pepper, I, I I love that like because you kind of forget that yeah at the beginning he calls Fox to be like yeah can we get your team to like be on contract <laughs> like they're basically just contractors yeah yeah they're like hired mercenaries <laughs> they're like bounty hunters or something and then at the very end I thought originally I thought that that was your your paycheck I didn't realize but then it's like oh it's a it's like what you owe. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of it, it's because of damage and everything. Like, you destroyed so much. Like, if you destroyed ships, if you destroyed <laughs> buildings in Corneria, you bombed, like, uh, Great Wolf, I guess, property. You're, you, you owe money now. It's a really funny concept. Yeah. And, and a lot of people would miss it because it is at the end of the uh, the credits of the game. So there are so many little Nintendo touches here that uh, are just a, a joy to uh, to discover even 30 years later. So with that, Mike, I'm, I'm going to probably skip over the first half here of the closing remarks. I obviously recommend Star Fox 64. And I'm assuming you probably do as well. I'm assuming the 3DS version, though, correct? That's the one I would recommend. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's nice if you do have the nintendo online service to just Mm -hmm. plug in and play and pick up uh or just start playing the uh, star fox 64 online it's it's always nice to also be able to uh have the save points and everything and suspend points um but uh, especially to go to get to the hard path but uh the 3ds version in my mind is honestly the the best version of this game i i really really love it i know it has its criticisms but uh if you have a 3ds and you don't have star fox 64 3d and you're thinking about it definitely pick it up yeah, track down a copy of that 3DS version, play it on Switch, uh, whatever way you can play it. Honestly, both are great. Both look fine to this day. Um, and if you can track down an N64 controller to play on Switch, all the better. That's right. The future of Star Fox, though, is a little bit uh, a little bit more problematic. Um, I think we're we're a little ways away from a uh, a new Star Fox entry. Um, I, I, it's hard to think if anyone will ever come out again. I think our best chances we'll probably see. Obviously, we'll see Star Fox Adventures and Star Fox Assault on whatever Nintendo's GameCube service is when that eventually happens. Um, we'll continue to see Star Fox, Star Wolf, Falco, not Slippy, in uh, in Smash Bros. Uh, we'll continue to see that. Obviously, the characters will pop up in third-party franchises, I'm sure, like games like Starlink and, and whatnot. But a first-party Star Fox game, like a real Star Fox game to come out, 
it feels like an F-Zero kind of game where it's like, this isn't hard. Like, it's not hard to make a game with 15 levels, short and sweet, a game with branching paths, with good character uh, banter, great music, good enemy design, good boss fights, and easy easy levels at first that get very hard if you want to later on. And yes, I do want to fight that floating head at the very end of the game with two <laughs> hands. Um, but just the fact that Star Fox Zero basically sold nothing in 2016 and mm. not too many people talk about Star Fox other than the memes. Um, seems like a long shot to see a new Star Fox game in the future. But what do you think? Are you optimistic for a new Star Fox entry uh, at some point in the next 10 years? In the next 10 years, yeah, sure. Uh, but not for a while. I mean, we're mm -hmm. definitely not getting one on Switch. I think that's confirmed for sure. I mean, I yeah. think that's been confirmed for a while. But um, we might get one on the next console. It really depends because I think the only way we'll for sure get one is if some sort of hype comes from Star Fox. Like, I don't know. Something has to reinvigorate. Star Fox 99. Star Fox 99, exactly. <laughs> Honestly, maybe. That's probably oh, the would be a good guess of maybe what would happen. Mm -hmm. But yeah, something has to reinvigorate the franchise. Like, I don't... Like, I, something as stupid as, like, a meme somewhere that blows up on TikTok. Like, honestly. Like, something small. Yeah, like, I, 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 could, I could even see them going movie form, which they really should, because this is yeah. their most narrative heavy franchise in my opinion um uh, so i think something needs to reinvigorate it before a game can come out a movie would be really cool i would love i would totally see a star fox movie oh, yeah. theaters completely animated or like work with henson studios let's make a puppet star fox movie that'd be yes. so cool be a lot of fun but mike while i'm sitting here waiting for the ultimate muppet slash star fox crossover why don't you let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 39 of the unlocking what was cool podcast on episode 39, Neil, we are going back 10 years into the past. And it's I know it's already been 10 years, but The Last <sighs> of Us released 10 years ago. It's uh, it's one of our favorite games. I love talking about Last of Us. And of course, the uh, the TV series came out this year, which became made it even more of a worldwide phenomenon. Now, so many people know about this game and, and this uh, this franchise. So it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about it. Uh, it's going to be one of those games, too, that it's it's because it's our newest game that we've covered so far that it's uh, it's the memories are so fresh. Not quite. Breath of the, we did cover Breath of the Wild. Oh, we did. We did. That's true. Yes. Uh, okay, that was a Patreon, though. This is our first... That we, we have decided to cover right. this one. Uh, that's right. The first yeah. one selected by us, 2013, 10 years. That's that's absolutely wild that it's been that long. And yeah, we were covering... We covered Star Fox 64 this week, Last of Us next week. Two top 10 games for me, honestly, back-to-back -back weeks. So uh, we're definitely hitting the ground running right now. Um, really big fan of The Last of Us. I was from the minute I saw gameplay of it in 2011 or 12 yeah, at E3 yeah. and then playing it at uh, your place in London and then eventually buying it and just being completely enamored with the game on PS3, the remake on PS4, the sequel back in 2020 and now the show that came out this year. It's it's really just a, a crazy franchise. I love every bit of it so it's going to be a ton of fun to talk about it next week with you but until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 38 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. And if you're a Spotify listener, please keep writing in with the new Q&A feature. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Supporters at the $5 level get to submit and vote on our monthly Patreon elected episode. Thank you so much to everybody over there. You can follow us on Instagram and join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Slippy, Neil says, sit this one out. Thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> 
The Unlocking What Was Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. Our podcast is fan-funded by our listeners on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. The show is produced, hosted, and edited by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Additional voices provided by Victor Young. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. AJ Olson 11, Bogus Lotus, Cube Dude, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, Marty Thompson, Sparks Fly 027, and Way Overrated. Damn Slippy. He just, he tries his best, but... Does he? Ah. <laughs> I feel like he lied on his resume to get into I think Wolf. Pepe lied on his resume. My God. I think guy. he's got seniority complex where, like, he's just been there for too long. They can't fire him. Like, like <laughs> Rob is trying anxiously with HR on, on the Wolf to uh, to get rid of him, but he just keeps on finding loopholes to get through. They need to just promote him somewhere. That's right. To the head office. <laughs> Great.